Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Welcome to Sex and Science Hour. It's that time again. It's Friday. Well, it's not actually Friday, but yeah, we're it, recording it, it a little early. It will be Friday when you're listening to this. Yeah. And hey, you know what else this is? Brian, this is our 19th episode of season two. Can you believe that? And the reason 19 is very significant is that it's not only the age that, you know, people blossom and come into their own. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds creepy. Um, It's the uh, number of episodes that was in our first season. So by doing this show, the second season is officially as long as the first season. And we were having all these doubts and existential crisis about whether we were going to be able to keep up with the show and keep doing it every week. But it looks like we did, at least as long as we did season one. So I don't know. We haven't talked about this on the air or off the air, Brian. But what do you think? Should we take a break in between seasons? Not like a two-year break like we did last time, but, you know, like a couple weeks off. Or should we just go right into season three? Or should we just keep going with season two until we feel like stopping? God, I, I don't know what to do. No, nah, you know, I think we should do a season three. But I think when season three comes around, you just shake up how the show goes. Like maybe. But start... how do we shake it up? I well, have, you... I've put zero thought into this so okay. far. Well, you can change. Like what I do with my show, Sovereign Tech, is usually I reorder. I either get rid of segments or I reorder the segments to some degree, and you end up with kind of an, an interesting flow. I mean, I think there's some ways the show runs better than others. but Yeah, I mean, I hear that. But, like, first of all, we didn't change anything from season one to season two, except that we took two years off. Right. So there's that. And two, the show is supposed to be no work, so I don't want to put the work into it. And number three, why mess with success? Because we have such a great formula for our show. It's why true. should we change it, right? Yeah. People get pissed off if we change it. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think, for one, we got to get to episode 20. Because let me tell you, there's yeah, a show I We got to get to episode 20. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, there's, there's a show that went to episode 19, and then they canceled it. The show was V, the series. The original V Well, show. they canceled it before I ever heard of it. Right. Well, it came place. out in the 80s, so that's all right. <laughs> but, like, it was, you know, not having that episode 20 was... A real bummer. Uh, a tragedy yeah. of my life. I know. I feel like things should be in even groups. Maybe that's my OCD coming out, but... Sure. You know, 19 is kind of like a... Meh. All right. We'll it's talk lame, about kind this. Kind of a lame number. We'll talk about this, and I think by episode 20, we should have an answer. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll take a little time to think about it. We've been a little bit busy, because... This week... Well, if listeners have any thoughts on how to go about this, what they would like to hear, or what they think could happen... Oh, no, no, no. Don't... I don't want to hear what they think. No? No. Because <laughs> we're going to hear... Inevitably, we're going to hear conflicting answers, 
And then I'll be like stressing out because I can't make everybody happy. Oh, you don't you don't have to make them happy. Well, I mean, you do have to make them happy. All right, go. Let's let's move on. All right, we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably without your input. Thank you very much. We'll be happy to give you a refund. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I shouldn't be so mean to our listeners. That's, it, it came off me. If you have a really good idea, you can send it to us. Yes. But you know, my concern is just that everybody's going to have some different opinion about what we should do with our show, and really, what we should be doing is just taking the lead and figuring out what to, what the fuck to do with our own show. There we go. <laughs> We're responsible. No one is coming to save us. Like, uh, uh, Nathaniel, was it Ayn Rand or Nathaniel Brandon who said that? Shit, I don't even remember. Who said what? No one is coming to save you. I don't know. I, yeah, it, well, it was I can't one of them. Either. One of them people that said yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I, I just, <laughs> one I, all of right, them objectivist right. people. I will say this really quick that, like, I feel like myself that if you don't have a show coming out every single week on the same day, right on time, you know, uh that oh yeah i can't wait to hear what you're gonna say well that people walk away you know that's what i would that's what i hear people do but you know what there's so many podcasts out there they do take two years off and they come back and they still get hundreds of thousands of listens and all this shit it drives me nuts yeah, well, that's fair, Brian. I thought you were going to say, like, you're a slap nuts or something if you no, don't have a show no, no, every no, no, week. No. And I was you like, know, well, I, I guess I'm a slap nuts. No, 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 no. You know, and I hear, I see a lot of people using that term slap nuts now. Now, I didn't come up with it, but I know I'm the one that started using it again because oh, that is age old. Anyway, right, go aren't ahead. you proud about that? I, I'm very it's something proud. to be very proud of. It's like Richard Lewis coming up with of hell or from hell. See, no one's going to get that. We've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. You're going to have to go back to season three from like 2004 to figure that one out. The wife from Brian's hell. obscure references that he does every show. Um, well, okay. What were we talking about? Are you saying I'm the wife from hell? No, hell no. <laughs> I had one. Your wife. <laughs> I had a wife from hell, but thankfully that's over. And it wasn't me. No. Oy. All right. Well, how about oh, we get- God. <laughs> Why this don't we talk? Terrible. Ab- let's let's talk about what we we're going to talk about. Let's get into it. Okay, so this week we stepped into a steaming pile of dung, <laughs> <laughs> and yes. the reason I used that exact phrasing was because last week on Sovereign Tech, well, last actually before that, last week on Sex and Science Hour comes out on Fridays. Your show, Sovereign Tech, comes out on Saturdays. Right. Last week on Sex and Science Hour, we talked about. Steam it at the beginning of the show. Yes. Now, Steam it is like Reddit, but integrated with its own cryptocurrency. Its own blockchain. It, actually, it has like three cryptocurrencies. That it's, it's insane. That it's integrated with. It's kind of complicated, but basically, the idea is, um, well, one that it's a social media platform that's on block that's on a blockchain, right? And the, the blockchain Kinda. pays out to people who have popular posts on the social media platform and through generating this content and through blogging you are supposedly creating value and then you're getting tokens that are worth something to somebody and then you can sell them and so basically what ends up happening is you get paid for writing posts yeah right and if especially if you have a popular post or if you curate posts or if you uh, are active comment are an active commenter and you have good comments that people upvote, then you get paid too. So it's a popularity contest, yes. But people are making money on it. Some people are making money on it. Mm-hmm. There are also people promoting it in a very, in a way that really turns me off, let's just say. Um, and, you know, 
uh, there are people saying like, I lost 50 pounds in two months with steam it. You know, it's, it's like, this is a miracle thing that can do anything. Right. There are people who say I made $10,000 in a single post with steam it, you know? Yeah. And they're like, I'm a believer in it now. And you know, okay, that's great. But do you think everybody could do that? No, no, if if everybody could do that, then it would be pointless right because everybody would not everybody can have the top post every day or whatever not everybody can have a thousand upvotes or whatever Uh so um the the way it's being promoted bothers me but anyway you have been a skeptic of steam it from the very beginning yes and we were talking about it on the show last week because we were just like amazed at the amount of people we saw talking about it this week it's been the same thing it's everything is steam it steam it steam it everybody's posting their intro post on steam it everybody except us um yeah (laughs) and because and and everybody's talking about steam it and everybody's on every other social media platform is steam it steam it steam it look at my steam it post upvote please right um, so it's all everybody's talking about. You did a very critical, we talked about it on the show last week. We didn't really get too deeply into it. We just kind of used it as our show opener. But you on your show, Brian, since you're a tech journalist, mm-hmm. you actually did a pretty in- in-depth analysis of it. You actually read their white paper, which is more than some people can say. More than most, including <laughs> people that promote it. A lot of people who who are using the platform have have not read the white paper. To be fair, there are people on Steemit that are posting detailed economic and technical analyses of the white paper. So there are some people who have read the white paper besides the people who wrote the white paper yes. on Steemit. But there are some very active promoters of Steemit who have not read the white paper and probably won't and don't right. care. And, and you know, that that happens with Bitcoin too, right? There's people who promote Bitcoin who have never read the Satoshi's white paper, which, I mean, that... Eh, I I think you have less of an excuse because Satoshi wrote his white paper so or her white or their white paper so easily that you can understand it, especially if you're already familiar with Bitcoin. It's like it's an easy read. Well, I feel like especially compared to the steam at white paper, which is a lot more complicated by comparison. It's significantly shorter. I think it's only like 12 pages compared to 44. Yep. Um, And also less stuff. There's less moving parts. Right. And it's it's rather ideological, I think, more so than even technical. Bitcoin. Uh, The Bitcoin white paper, which I really appreciate um, Mm -hmm. because you'd rarely get that. What's the intention of the developer behind a piece of software that's actually uncommon mm-hmm. i find i mean you could ask them but you never really get it in the in the paper itself right uh, and you know the, the whole thing about white papers let's just talk about that for a minute white papers make great toilet paper <laughs> i thought you were supposed to use recycled toilet paper so you're not hurting the environment right <laughs> well i mean i i don't know what they put white know. papers on anyway <laughs> Why does toilet paper need to be perfectly white? It's just going to turn brown anyway. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the thing about white papers is the reason you write a white paper is because you can't, for some reason, publish it in a peer-reviewed journal. Mm -hmm. Now, a peer-reviewed journal is supposed to be the more respected way of publishing because not you you have not just thrown it up on the internet without anybody reading it except you and maybe your friends or colleagues or people you invite to read it right. and giving you feedback but you've you've had it go through the peer review process you've had people in your field who are experts and you know maybe even slightly competitors of yours have cr- critiqued your work and they won't let it fly in an academic peer reviewed journal if it's bad yeah. But with a white paper, anyone, a white paper is a white paper because 
Well, I don't know exactly why it's called a white paper. But what a white paper means is that it has not been peer reviewed. Yeah, anybody can can write a white paper. In fact, there was a little while, like uh, I want to say 2013 or mm-hmm. maybe 2013, early 2014, where it seemed like everybody was writing a fucking white paper. Yes. And I mean, some of the right. dumbest people I know were writing white papers and it was really, really ridiculous. And as far as critiques of, you know, or as far as like, you know, some degree of peer review over the white paper um, for, uh, you know, for Steam, um, most of the people that actually do real developing and all that, most of them mm-hmm. uh, are in the crypto space, are in the cryptocurrency space, are heavily critical and mm. and d- don't think that it that it like that it's a sustainable model. And, well, and this I, is- you know, I don't know about that, but like, I what I wanted to say about the point I wanted to make about the white papers sure. was Satoshi could not publish in a peer-reviewed journal because Satoshi had to be anonymous. Yes. That was why it wasn't because Satoshi's work was bad. Right. It wasn't even because Satoshi's maybe it was because of the political nature of Bitcoin that Mm -hmm. it was going to be this unstoppable animal that's released into the wild and Pandora's box is open. Maybe it was also sort of because of that. But but so Satoshi also couldn't trust anyone with revealing their identity for obvious reasons. Yeah. But when a lot of people write white papers nowadays, it's just because they don't want to go through peer, peer review. Yeah. Right. Or they, or there's no point in it because they're doing a commercial product and they really don't need to publish it in academic, academic journal. But like when you and I read a white paper from a, a blockchain person, a computer scientist, perhaps even mm. someone who has a background in coding or whatever, or even an economist, like we can't really understand, like, there's a certain level we can understand it on one level, but we can't really critique it as co-experts in the field. You know what I mean? So it looks impressive, but somebody who actually is an expert in that field who might be a peer reviewer might not actually think it's that impressive. Oh, I think there's a lot of people that that yeah that where that's true. Where yeah, they can look at it and they they have no idea. In fact, honestly, like the amount of people that even claim they've read the white paper for Steam, um, I guarantee they're not a coder and they've never built a goddamn thing. Uh, and so who the, and I mean this, who the hell are you to say that that is good economics or that that white paper is solid or well, anything? Who the along hell are we? Lines. Cause we don't have that expertise. Oh, no, either, no, no, but- I've, I've, I've coded, I make games. I mean, I know the deal. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm that good. Well, to I've work. read Mises.org, but it doesn't make me an economist. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I understand that. I want to be humble here. I'm not going to be, I want to, I don't want to be hurling bombs at steam in particular anyway. no. No, there's easy problems where you don't need to understand, you know, the technical aspects of Steam, you know, to to go after well, it. Well, you you certainly were able to come up with criticisms of it just based on reading the white paper with your background and expertise, which isn't like sure. an ac- academic expert level no, or anything not. like that. Certainly not. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So, you did a critical podcast about Steam and mm-hmm. right around the same time that your podcast came out, a couple people including like a voiceover client of mine and a, and a, a, I would say a friend, you know, someone I've known for years mm-hmm. and have a lot of friendly interactions with were, ha, had been emailing me and saying, Oh, you got to get on steam it. You got to get on steam it. And mm-hmm. I didn't say either way, really like how, what I thought about it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't too harsh on it. You were certainly came out very harshly against Sure. It. Sure. And so like, you're on the other hand, like totally, you're on one hand, like totally criticizing Steemit. Other people are like, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You have to get on it. I'm like sort of sitting on the fence, like not really saying much. And 
So somebody took your podcast, which you called the steaming pile of shit that is steam it. Yeah, steaming pile of shit called steam <laughs> which, it. Which, by the say way, say what you want about Brian's opinions, <laughs> but that was a great name, and he had a great cover art for it. <laughs> And my opinions are my own, by the way. They are completely my own. But yes. Yeah, don't conflate us just because we're partners or right. whatever. But, you know, I, I solidarity, though. I mean, I like to stick with you on sure. a lot of things. Um, but yeah. So anyway, um, somebody took Brian's podcast and reposted it on Steam It and replied to Brian's criticisms. And the post got up to like $2,000 or something like that. Yeah, it was very popular. that they were going to give all the money to me, but I had to join <laughs> Steam It to claim the money. So this puts me in this awkward fucking position <laughs> where it's either like, okay, I'm going to betray my boyfriend or I'm going to grab $1,000. <laughs> well, I don't feel <laughs> like I you're betraying before. I, I don't I don't feel like you're betraying. We me. talked about this at length. I mean, I do feel like it is kind of a betrayal of you, Brian. Um Okay. Well I know you say you don't mind, but I think you would probably prefer it if I stuck with you, right? Well, let me make my somewhat You said you're never gonna get on Steam it. No, I'm not. Uh-huh. Okay, just like I'm never going to invest in Ethereum. And yep. actually you've stuck well, with I'm me. Never on gonna, that. I'm never gonna invest in Ethereum either. I've I'm totally fine with that. Right. I'm, I'm right. sure about Ethereum that I'm not gonna get involved and I'm yeah. glad I didn't get involved. Yeah, so let me just make kind of my, my like I guess my my final point on Steam it of any kind, and that is is that Right now, I think a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but I think some people can make some pretty good money on it. But that is not going to last. Like the, I agree the, with there, that. There is a, in, it's in, already turning into sort of BuzzFeed. Like If you look at the content yeah. on Steemit, last week I looked at the content, and I have to honestly say I was not very impressed. Right. There was not like amazing content on there that would get $10,000 if it was published in Vanity Fair or the New York Times or some or the the Atlantic or something mm-hmm. else, some other big publication there was there wasn't that level of writing there were a lot of like short posts with clickbaity titles and interesting professional looking pictures and i'm sitting there thinking like is this just going to turn into like a combination of buzzfeed and like Twitter. Well, I mean, and to think porn hasn't even invaded it yet. I mean, wait till that. Well, there's happens. a little bit. There's there was some badly written erotica that I found. Yeah, but I mean, and, like, but I had to even dredge that up. Like it wasn't yeah. even doing that well. Yeah. It wasn't making ten thousand a post. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> and there's a there's a thing called Steam It Girls, like you know the Reddit bit r slash bitcoin girls gone wild or whatever. Remember yeah. that from like 2012. Yeah. Well, there's Steam It Girls, of course. So. I I don't know. I mean, at one time I thought maybe I had something to offer. I was like, oh, I could write a post about how to become a voice actor. But you know what? I don't know how to do those social media marketing tactics. I don't get a thousand likes on my Facebook posts. How the hell am I going to stand out on Steam? It. I, I just don't think it's worth it. I, I'm discouraged. And I don't want to make like, fi- I don't want to get on there and sell out and then make like 50 cents on my posts. So I'm leaning <laughs> towards no again at this point. But I'm still kind of wishy-washy and cowardly. By the way, the guy who claimed that he was going to give me the money for his post. He did, so thank you very much for yeah, that. Yeah, he's actually a good guy. He's a very, very good guy. Friendly challenge. So, I don't know what to do. I'm conflicted. It's probably going to keep keep being that way. Yeah. You know, sometimes I have these conflicts, and I feel... This is... I'm going to get on the therapy couch here, okay? Okay, In the right, sexy you're on science the couch. Hour couch. Sometimes I have these conflicts, and... 
I'm like so worried about trying to make everybody like trying to please everybody. And I know deep down that I can't please everybody. It's impossible. And really, I shouldn't even try to worry about it because that's just a recipe for fucking disaster and stress. But some little part of me is like, oh, my God, but this person's going to be mad that you didn't join Steam it. And this person's going to be mad that you did join Steam it. And what, what the fuck do I do? And it's like this impossible contradiction that just creates all this anxiety. Well, I mean, and the real problem there is with the people that don't respect, like, your decisions, you know? I, I mean, I don't think they don't respect, like, they're not even really putting that much pressure on me. It's like, most of this is in my head. Ah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just, it's hard when you grow up being kind of indoctrinated with people-pleasing, and oh, then you have to try to, like, undo all this damage, like, in all these scripts your whole life. I that's have, my problem. That's my biggest problem. Yeah, I have so much sympathy, especially for women, because most women are taught that from, a, you know, from birth that they need to please people. Um, you know, I mean, but there's so many there's so many examples of how when you try to appeal to everybody, uh, you know, when you go for populism and whatever, that it actually it ends up hurting everybody. Um, I mean, and you could do very... Yeah, I know that intellectually. Yeah. I, I know that. It's just so hard to undo the programming. And, you know, by the way, speaking of Steam, it since it is like, <laughs> since it is kind of like Reddit in a way, and it's like this community of, well, I, I guess it's a lot of like libertarian or anarcho-capitalist mm. types. Yeah. It, it's a certain demographic of people. I think it's a lot heavily skewed male or heavily skewed towards... it's. I don't think it's a very friendly environment for women or feminism. Um, well, what social predict, what platform is? You know, fair. Yeah, yeah that's a I, fair I, point. Yeah. Well, right, but I I'm guess just Tumblr. Saying that it's the nature I guess of the Tumblr beast. would be. <laughs> yeah, maybe Tumblr. Yeah, that's the only place on the internet I can think of, and that's like a safe space on the internet. But I predict. I was telling some female friends that I predict if anybody gets on Steam it and posts anything that's like remotely feminist, they're not only are they going to get downvoted into the ninth circle of hell, <laughs> but there's going to be a bunch of misogynist asshole dude bros that comment on their post and, and, and say, Oh, but you're being reverse sexist. And I thought of a new argument and they're going to think they're coming up with something new. And then all the dude bros are going to upvote each other's posts and they're going to be like, yeah, great point, bro. Nobody's ever said that before. Oh. You come up with something totally new and the dude bros are going to make a thousand dollars on each of their comments yep. and the feminist is going to make zero sense. In my, yeah, in my <laughs> opinion, you just brought up a point, uh, and, and I'm going to use it elsewhere. Watch I think. that happen. I'm calling it right now. Yeah. I mean, this is literally going to incentivize misogyny uh like all the way i i, I that my opinion i, I don't th think the founders of steam it like intended it that way it's no, just they that didn't. that's who the kind of the early community i think is skewing towards and so yeah i mean right <laughs> well i i think it, it's the nature of 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 the kind of the push that's going on for people to be there. And I know there's some women I could, I could name names, but I won't that are supposedly kind of big deals on there. But honestly, some of them are as misogynistic as any of the boys. Yeah. Um, I mean, really? I don't, I don't know specifically who you're referring to, but well, I mean, I certainly can think of, and we don't need to name names. No. But yeah. I mean, I can certainly think of some women who I think have internalized a lot of sexist, misogynistic ideas. And I used to be one of them, by the way. Hmm. 
I, I used to be like an anti-feminist when I was 20 years old. Sure. And and then, you know, I educated myself and learned about it. And I'm very glad I did because I feel a lot happier. And I realized the, the, the power structures that have been oppressing me, you know, yeah. and I realized how I was internalizing them before. And they maybe they will, too, you know, once yeah. they once they have more life experience. I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to condescend to them. Maybe those are their views and they're going to stick to them. But anyway, um, yeah, I, it's just like, you know, men who hear this are, are going to be like, what, what is she talking about? It was like Stephanie, a feminazi or something. Well, you just don't, I mean, there's no other way to say this. You just don't know what it's like. Women will know what I'm talking about. Like if you've been to a, if you were one of those women who was in the Bitcoin community in the early days and you went to a Bitcoin conference, you know what I'm talking about. If Absolutely. you've gone on the internet. <laughs> I actually, I did a, I did an episode of Sovereign Tech where I talked about it. Like there was this video crew that went around and was pretty much, was literally oh, doing. They got their, me. I know. They were doing their best to make all of the women look dumb. Yep. In their they video, and they did it on. I don't purpose. think they made me look dumb because I didn't give them any material, but right. But they tried. I yeah, mean, but everybody else. Tried. I mean, the they way basically they, went around to all the women at this Bitcoin conference and asked them, like, "What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. So you're a woman. Why are you here? What yeah. do you? How do you? What do you know about Bitcoin? Right? Yeah. It, What's a blockchain? <laughs> right. And and there were other people. I mean, I don't even think they let in anyway. Whatever. My point being is that this stuff does happen, but. Yeah, yeah, because it absolutely happened. Yeah. I mean, not to mention like the sexual harassment at these. Th- We're getting way off topic. Way off. Yeah, but that's a- way off topic. But but I I'm think just you saying, raised a great point. Though. I'm predi- I'm calling that for the future. Okay. Right. And so if I if I do get on Steam, it like I'm kind of tempted. The part of me is tempted to try it. Right. I want to like in a weird way. I want to see like how much money I make. Yeah. And it's nice to have money. Who doesn't like money? Right. Yeah. But on the other hand, I know that it's never, it's not going to be sustainable. Blogging is something that I don't enjoy. I do it for my voiceover website, but I go long periods without updating my website because mm-hmm. I hate blogging. I'm, I'm not like a natural writer. Like I'm a pretty good writer, but it takes me for fucking ever. I don't stick with it. I don't do it consistently and I don't really enjoy it. I used to write articles for Lou Rockwell back in the day. Well, this is when I was. Well, how'd Sexist that work out for and I you? I didn't know it. But <laughs> <laughs> I used to write articles for LouRockwell.com. You could probably find him if you search for my name on there, but um, <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. But um, I stopped writing because I just realized one day that I didn't really enjoy it or like it. Sure, so I stopped. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think anyone would begrudge me for that, but I found out that I love doing podcasts and I love voiceover. And honestly, quite honestly, I think I can make more money by doing what I'm good at and what I'm practiced at and what I like to do, which is voiceover, right. than I could spending the same amount of time on a Steam It post. I don't know how to promote my shit on social media. I don't do marketing, Facebook marketing and stuff like that. And that's, and write clickbaity SEO optimized headlines. Like that's the skills you have to have. I, I think those are the skills that you have to have to be successful on Steam It. And those are not my forte. And I don't want them to be my forte. Sure. I want my forte to be voiceover. So I'm going to do that. And I mean, I made good money today doing voiceover, probably more than I could ever make on Steam. It. So I might just stick with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, that, that's another concern is that with Steam, it, in my opinion, you know, this is this is a quick payout. I, I've called it, a get, in my opinion, a get quick rich or get rich quick get rich quick <laughs> quick rich. scheme uh you know that that's what i think it is but then you're spending all that time working on that 
And I mean, you could say, well, if it's something you're already going to do anyway, then it makes sense. Fine. But if it's not, if this is like a new platform or whatever that you want to like really try and build on or whatever, that platform's going to get pulled out from underfoot. And when that happens, you could have been spending all that time building, doing a really great slow build kind of grassroots build that could sustain you for decades instead of six months. And so, uh, you know, I, I almost, my opinion, I see it as bad advice to try and build on this. Uh, I, I really, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's my thought on it. And honestly, like I said before, the instant, any genuine celebrity, I don't mean celebritarian, any celebrity gets yeah. on there. Yeah. Everybody else is over. You're done. Once the pros come in, it's over. Yeah. So just like I Facebook, think Mar- I think you're hitting on it because it feels right now like a mad rush. Like, yeah. like I didn't do it in the two days when people were saying, Oh, you should get on steam it. So I missed the boat. You know right. what I mean? And people are saying, yeah, it's very early, but y- you're right. Like the whales and the celebrities are going to dominate yeah, and I- it'll be over for regular people very soon. And right. Like even if regular people can, or like minor internet celebrities can still get some traction on it. Mm-hmm. Like how sustainable is it? Is it something you should really invest your time in? Is it something you should promote? Cause it might go away. It might, right. it might totally flop. So I think you're hitting on it, Brian. Like the reasons why I feel like maybe my heart's not really in it. Sure. You know, I just feel really like kind of, yeah, I don't know, like kind of wary about it. Yeah. I mean, and understand too, I think this is also true for pretty much every social media platform. I think they are all like, they've all been taken over by the pros. Yeah. Well, and, you know, my heart's not in like Facebook and Twitter either. I haven't tweeted in months. Well, there's no point in having no, your heart no in them. No, there's no point. In my and I don't want to, I don't want to like, post selfies of myself and get into a competition of like who can have the best makeup i'm not good at taking professional pictures i don't want the limelight i I want to do a podcast but i'm like loath to even share anything publicly that's not like a self-help meme or something sure (laughs) yeah but i mean understand like even then the platform i don't think i'm cut out for this right (laughs) well the platforms will screw you like instagram say i mean yeah yeah like for example okay not that this is this is you know on the totem pole of wonderful things about you you know this this doesn't even rank at the highest but let's face facts you're a gorgeous woman okay um but you're a gorgeous woman (laughs) if you were on instagram i think you do very you, you know you'd you would have done very well. See, but, I don't think I would. I don't know. Okay, but but let me finish my okay, point. Like, yeah. You would have done very well. But then what did Instagram do a few months ago or a couple months ago? What did they, they do? They changed. They changed everything. They, yeah, they did. Yeah, they yeah. changed it from being a fire hose because now there's so many people on there and there's so much going on. They changed it from being a fire hose to now they changed it to where, uh, you know, you don't, it's algorithmic. You don't see every post that gets made. So people could miss everything that you do. Also now they're, they're, now they're saying in their guidelines, you need to start saying if you're doing an ad, like if what you're doing is an advertisement of some kind, cause that's really how you made money as, as some kind of like model on there or, you know, basing it on your looks is that you'd show it off, show off a product or something. Right. Uh, so my point being is that unless you're one of the pros that's just really good at this whole social media thing, mm-hmm. social media is fucking worthless. You know, right. in, in general, that's my opinion. And, and this goes true for every single one of them. This isn't I'm not like saying saying steam. It sucks. But Facebook is great or Twitter's great. Okay? <laughs> no, you no. certainly are consistent about that. You're no, saying all they terrible. all are terrible. Yeah, yeah, they're all <laughs> terrible and they're all worthless, in my opinion, to try and build yourself up on. Um, yeah, so, you, you know, the other that's a great point you bring up, Brian. I agree with you. Thanks. The pros take over. But, you know, the the other point that's kind of uh, goes with that is. It seems like everybody wants to be the 
the producers of content and mm-hmm. there's and like who's left to be the consumers you know what i mean yeah like oh uh, people have lots of followers but i like i think on some level all the followers are like following these big people because they want to be like them you know what i mean they're yeah, all I could see they're that. all trying to like get to the top of themselves like every time i see somebody like post on steam it like you know jeff berwick posts on facebook like mm-hmm. oh i did the steam it article and then there's like a million a million of these people commenting on his post saying, oh, yeah, great stuff I upvoted. Here, look at my article that I just wrote. Please upvote. You know, it's like they're expecting something in return and everybody wants to be the producers and nobody's the consumer, you know, and so who's the audience? Yeah, well, I don't see how it can last that way. Right. It it can't. It, It really can't. And in fact, I think the system's really being gamed as far as this goes with social media. Of course, it, I, every social media is about gaming the system to get to the top. Absolutely. And I think what's, what you're getting, a, a, this is high school and you're getting clicks. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, those, C-L-I-Q, yes, clicks. Yeah. Not, not clicks, C-L-I-Q. Yeah. Okay. As in social groups. It's clickbait. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> be the name of our show. <laughs> you, you, ha- you have social media clicks yeah. that they are all promoting each other. Making themselves all look like badasses. Oh, that's another thing. The, the upvote circle jerks. Because, right. yeah, there's, there's groups of people that are colluding to upvote each other's stuff. Yeah. And so what's the point of that? No, it's like, no, all and if you don't media- do that, you can't be successful. Right. Yeah, Nobody's all- organically successful. They're no. all circle jerking each other. <laughs> I think the only buddy that's actually successful on social media is maybe like The Rock. You know, Dwayne Johnson. Oh, I'm sure he has a share of circle jerking <laughs> that, as that's well. That's probably true too. All right, we didn't even so we didn't even get to our main show prep. For this <laughs> Let me get to it now. <laughs> this is great stuff. It's it is great. Stuff. So th- so that was all a great conversation, but I think so. We have other business to attend to. Um, we we have a bunch of listener emails. Okay. And I was actually planning just to talk about Steemit and social media for like 10 minutes and then do the rest of the show talking about our listener emails cuz that's what we that's like our bread and butter on Sex and Science, sure. Hour, right? So, we have like three or four listener emails that I want to get to. Let's do it. We'll see how many we get to. This one was meant to go in the science segment. So, there you have it. It's it's a little bit late. That's <laughs> right. We could just I think pretend. that was an important conversation. Yeah, I, I think it was too. And thank you for helping me talk that out. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you get a feeling and you, you can't, it's on the tip of your tongue, but you can't really articulate it until you kind of talk it out. So it thank you for that, Brian. I love it. I love our conversation. I love you. We can always, I love you too. I know. <laughs> thank you, sweetie. Aw. All, right. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the emails. Okay. So our listeners graciously sent us a bunch of email this week at show at sexandsciencehour.com. Right? Yep. And you can send us emails too if you have something you want to talk about. Um, we have a science email first to start out. And uh, by the way, we always read our listener emails anonymously. You know, it's it's certainly no disrespect to you. It's just that I think it's a good policy. And I've always had this during my podcast, by the way, in my whole podcasting career. Yeah. I think it's a good policy to keep people anonymous unless they specifically say, you can say my name or I want you to credit me. Say my name, say my name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Rick James, bitch. Rick James, bitch. Rick James. <laughs> Unless they say I'm Rick James, bitch. Okay, we're going to keep you anonymous. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and we do have a contact form on our website, too, sexandsciencehour.com. We have a contact form so you can be anonymous. And we get, like, funny, like, fake names. Like, yes. Like, like fake Larry Page is one that emails yeah. us. Like, um, <laughs> I will say- I'm a listener is another one. <laughs> I will say quick. 
I did. We did get an email. Sometimes the emails come to me because I have a contact page at ZOG. Oh yeah, that's well. right. And you post the Sex and Science Hour show on your website, so right? It's, maybe it's easier for them if they're already there. Yeah, somebody got in touch with me, and, and we we talked. It was on an after show about maple syrup. Somebody bought maple syrup. Yes, that, I remember that. It was a, quite a bit of maple syrup, yeah. if I recall. And the person they, they they solved the mystery. They emailed me and they said oh. I put it in my coffee. Oh, I've never heard of that. I've but, never heard of that either. Fucking rock and roll. I, I think it that's doesn't wonderful. sound like it would be good. But then again, I hate coffee. So no, well, you put MCT that's oil. That's why in that I had shit. to quit med school because yeah. I didn't like. I could never bring myself to like <laughs> <All> coffee. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so what <laughs> do we got? Coffee with maple syrup. That's interesting. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Thanks for telling us. We we can um we can talk more about that on the after show because we've got emails about our after show items. So Perfect. Coming All up. right. But first, we have Shinrin Yoku. You ever heard of this, Brian? Yes. But now, go ahead. <laughs> you've heard about it because they emailed us, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, Shinrin Yoku is a Japanese word that means basically taking a, a leisurely weekend in the forest. And uh-huh. it's like a natural thing that's done to relax and kind of restore it in nature. Okay. Now, I think it would be funny if they were bullshitting us about that and if Shinrin Yoku actually means like, tentacle ass porn in Japanese or something. <laughs> We're going to have to trust you on the meaning in this one. So, and well, I have no reason a, to disbelieve. I mean, this is a thing. Like, there's there's Japanese people, I think they go to Mount Fuji, or maybe it's another one, where they go to die. Uh, like, like people just walk really? into the woods and they go there to oh die. Oh my god, I've never heard yeah, of that. A, I, don't, I don't think it's Fuji. There's a very famous mountain in Japan where they do this. Yeah, I think I've heard it's ringing a bell now yeah, that you say and, that. Yeah, and like people and say there's that, a lot of that, like bodies there, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you'll see like, I don't know, crazy shit. Like sometimes police will go in there and they find ropes where people hung themselves, but there's no body and, and they say the spirits are hanging around and all this, you know. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. But wow, anyway. you should see my face right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, so this this is this I I believe it. This is something that, that So goes this down. is kind of a thing based on other things in like Asian culture. Yes. Okay, so the listener says, "Hey Stephanie and Brian, I just thought I'd share this article on the effects of forest bathing trips on human immune function and see if you had any thoughts." And they actually link to a uh, scientific abstract of the of the article on PubMed. It's right there. It's called Oh, I just read the title. And here's the abstract. In Japan, a forest bathing trip called Shinrin-yoku in Japanese is a short, leisurely visit, visit to a forest. It's regarded as being similar to natural aromatherapy. This review focuses on the effects of forest bathing trips on human immune function. Beginning in 2005, adult Japanese individuals, both male and female, participated in a series of studies aimed at investigating the effects of forest bathing trips on human immune function. The, su- the subjects experienced a three-day, two-night trip to a forest area, so basically a week, a long weekend, or weekend, and blood and urine samples were collected on day two, the first sampling during each trip, and day three, the second sampling during each trip. On days seven and thirty, after the trips, they also collected those samples again. So a month later, a week later, and a month later, they're mm-hmm. looking at the effect of and and the weekend of they're looking at the effect of this forest trip okay. on the immune system. So here's the results. Natural killer activity, and natural killers' cells are cells in the immune system. They're especially known for recognizing stuff like cancer mm-hmm. and getting rid of it in your body because your body's developing little cancer cells all the time. Usually your immune system weeds them out, except when it doesn't. Natural killer cells are the ones that go and, and get that. 
Natural killer cells also kind of regulate the other parts of the immune system, like T cells, Mm -hmm. and they kind of keep them in check, so keep them from doing autoimmunity or allergies and things like that. Okay. So natural killer cells are very important to the immune system and good. Uh, They also get cells that are infected with viruses, and they take out those. So, okay. so natural killer cells are very important for immune health. Anyway, so natural killer activity, the numbers of natural killer cells, um, granulicin, perforin, and granzymes, A and B expressing lymphocytes in the blood, and the concentration of urinary adrenaline were measured. So they're looking at natural killer cells, um, c- certain cells of the immune system that are making defensive weapons against pathogens and, and baddies in the body, and... Uh, levels of adrenaline. So how stressed are they in right. the, in the urine? Um, and that's what they're looking at. The same measurements were made before the trips on a normal working day as a control. The mean values of NK activity, natural killer activity, and the numbers of NK, granulicin, perforin, and granzymes A and B expressing cells on forest, forest bathing days were significantly higher than those on the control days. Whereas the mean values of the concentration of urinary adrenaline on forest bathing days were significantly lower than on the control days in both male and female subjects. So let me, I'm going to translate that into English here. Okay. Um, <laughs> what I mean, is this biophilia? Biophilia. What does that mean? Biophilia is the idea that just like experiencing nature like in some weird fetish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a tree uh, fetish. Yeah. You're just sticking your dick in the tree. <laughs> uh, well, it's not biophobia, thankfully. Um, but biophilia is the idea that like even, you know, just, just having some degree of nature around you actually makes helps. things better. Yeah. It just makes things overall better for you physically, mentally. Yeah, I think that would be this exactly the idea. Okay. Um, what they're saying here in those results that we just talked about were that they had less stress as evidenced by less presence of adrenaline byproducts mm. in their urine when they had gone into the forest. They were, le- they were calmer, less stressed out than on a normal work day. And the activity of their natural killer cells went up. So their immune system got a little boost yeah. and they were more relaxed. Um, where was I? Uh, Somewhere in there. <laughs> the Oh, here's another interesting part. The increased... I got lost in the forest. <laughs> the, the increased natural killer cell activity lasted for more than 30 days after the trip, suggesting that a forest bathing trip once a month would enable individuals to maintain a higher level of N- NK activity. So better so, immunity. So if you have a weekend in the forest once a month, it has beneficial effects on your immune system for a whole month after that. Can you believe that? Isn't that cool? Oh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering like what this is in reference to, or was this just like an inch? Oh, it's just an interesting subject to talk about on the show. Uh, yeah, I yeah. don't think we brought up anything like this before. Yeah, that's kind um, of what I was trying they to think were just, of. The person who sent it to us was just asking about our thoughts on it. Um, let me just read you one last part of this. Sure. As a control, they looked at people who had a visit to the city. So people who spent the weekend in maybe Tokyo or something, mm-hmm. or a big, big city, um, other than, you know, as opposed to spending the weekend in the forest. Yeah. And that did not have any effect on their immune system. That didn't change their natural killer cell activity. So it was specific to visiting the forest. Yeah. I mean, do you want to share your thoughts on it? Uh, The final conclusion, these findings indicate that forest bathing trips resulted in an increase in NK activity, which was mediated by increase in the number of NK cells and the levels of all these enzymes. And then they said, the listener said, love the show. Thank oh, you. right on. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. So it seems to be that at least in this population, people, male and female, Japanese p- individuals who want to go to the forest, mm-hmm. 
um, it actually improved their immune system for a month after going to the forest. So what do you think? And relax them. I co- completely believe it. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. want to go to the forest at least once a month, maybe yeah, like yeah. every weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wonder, there's, there's sort of a wrench I want to throw into the study. And that is, is, did they have their, like, smartphones with them? Oh, you know? that's a good question. So, let's see. This started in 2005. So, in 2005, um, this cons- the beginning of the study was 2005. So Okay. Well, they, they would have had more feature phones, but in Japan, feature phones are a huge deal. Like, they were reading books on their feature phones at, mm-hmm. at that time. So, it's possible they might have had some sort of phone out when they're in the woods, but... I I don't know. Maybe it wasn't as I mean the reason I say that is that I want Where are you like, gonna charge your phone if you're camping for the weekend? Right, that's a great point. In two thousand five uh, they didn't have those solar maybe battery they didn't have packs. Those battery packs, yeah. yeah. No, that's a great point. So maybe they didn't have it. My my guess is that they did not. Yeah. Um because I feel like that, you know, you can you can take your smartphone and turn it into your window of the world. And it can like encapsulate all of your oh my god views. Uh, yeah, my my phone stresses me out so much. Mm-hmm. I and I freely admit this, and I I can't seem to just put it down, like break the addiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. I work at home; it should be less stress. But every morning I get up, and the first thing I do is just look at my notifications and look at my emails. And sometimes I even dread looking at my emails because I know there's going to be people like, "Hey, I haven't heard from you. What's going on?" You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And like. It's going to stress me out. I wish I could just ignore my phone, go outside, have a cup of tea while not looking at anything except the trees, do a workout, and then check my emails. But I can't seem to bring myself (laughs) to just do that. And it's really... Well, it's really bad for me. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Maybe now that I'm saying it out loud, it'll motivate me. But yeah, anyway, that's what I wish I could do. Uh, absolutely. I'll tell you, I think that this whole idea wouldn't work if you had your phone with you. Yeah, like, probably uh, like it would I, negate it because you'd just be sucked into the fucking screen and yeah. you wouldn't be looking at the trees. Yeah, because what I think happens is is literally your body stops like, like it gets out of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, the flight mode or fight or flight, whatever. I mean, yeah. you, you get out of the adrenaline mode. And I mean, people don't realize this when, even when you're just walking down the street in like a city or something, like there is so much going on, especially if you're like, I mean, I grew up in New York city uh, quite a bit. There's so much going on. And like, you are constantly worried about, I mean, honestly, like, is, is this person going to grab your wallet? Is this, you know, I mean, I mean, there's so many concerns that are going to happen when you get out there turn everything off and you're just like yourself i think your body can can literally like concentrate on other things i mean this this just makes total sense you know I, i'm glad there's a study on it you know that's what we should do in between seasons two and three of sex and science hour we should go just get lost in the forest for a few weeks <laughs> i am totally i i will throw the tent on my back and oh, away we go let's leave our phones at home like when Absolutely. was the last time you left your phone at home I can't even freaking remember no, the last happened. time. I can't, you know, I'll leave my phone off. Or it'll run out of batteries or something, which even that's like unacceptable nowadays, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it'll run out of batteries for a while or I'll just ignore it for like most of the weekend. And they'll, I'll come back to it and there'll be people like, where were you? I can't, I couldn't get a hold of you. I didn't hear from yeah. you. What's going on? Yeah. Like, why didn't you return my message? They expect to be, they expect you to be instantly available. Right. All the time. Yeah, it's no, a lot I, of pressure. No, no, it is. Um, so I, I think this is this is wonderful. I think it's very true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you Shinrin know, Shinrin Yoku. 
Yeah, I mean, I could get into, you know, what I think part of the problems is I think the form factor with smartphones might be part of the problem as to why you keep checking it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very good. It's really, I know there's a bunch of different ways that it displays notifications. Smartphones are not very good at um, letting you know what's going on, uh, you know, without you having to pull it out. Yeah. And that's part of the problem mm-hmm. is where I think if you had a device that you didn't have to pull out all the time or you didn't have to lay on the table or something like that, that was better at notifying you of, of, you know, of a notification, it would be a very different story. But anyway, that's a side note. It needs to be like a, like a secretary that only calls you if something's an emergency, right? If it's a genuine emergency. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I wish some messaging service would come up with that where it, it would say like that this is a red alert. You know, just yeah. to put a stop to the... Yeah, red alert. We need that. We yeah. Need, we need a red alert. Yeah, like that this is really freaking matters. Yeah. You know, and of course, all these medi- all these effects on the immune system that they're talking about in this paper, very fascinating. It's all mediated by stress mm-hmm. because stress suppresses your immune system and it gives you cancer. That's yeah. how, because it suppresses your NK cells and then they don't, then they let the cancer slip by and then pretty soon you get cancer and you die. Yeah. And um, I mean, it might sound like a little bit hyperbolic, but that's basically what happens. No. Stress is just a killer and not to mention heart disease, right? Well, I think that's the stress doesn't get labeled like heart disease does because it doesn't get labeled as a disease as the number one killer is where heart disease is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's, I think that's still rated the number one killer in America. Uh, Well, right. That's the number one cause of death. But like, where did that come from, right? It's a chronic stress throughout your whole life. Exactly. And and yeah, like what puts stress on your body? I've just been, been narrating these videos, these health videos. And I like, I like what they say in these videos. It's, it's the three T's. It's toxins, trauma, and thoughts. Mm. So toxins sure. are like chemical stresses that you put in your body, like bad foods or yep. or foods that you're allergic to, or even like drugs or medications or pesticides or whatever, mold or whatever, toxins in the environment. Um, trauma is like, you know, repetitive injuries, repetitive motion injuries in your body yeah. or um, like literal trauma, like getting hit with something, yeah. you know, hit with a brick wall or something like that. And thoughts are the shit that's in your head. Like me describing how anxious I was about not being able to make everybody happy. Yeah. That shit's going to kill me if I don't work on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I'm worried about that. And now I'm anxious about being anxious. So shit. <laughs> All right, it's getting David. even worse. I need to go to therapists right away. But no, I mean, I'm being it's it's funny, but it's also serious at the same time, Absolutely. because I don't want stress to kill me. But I'm such a type A and I have such a hard time with it. And I'm really trying. Yeah, really trying. <laughs> trying. I try to do yoga. You know, I try to get away from the thoughts but but the thoughts will stress you out and then it affects everything about your body yeah so there you go yeah. <laughs> okay our next email has to do with something we said last show and that was that uh we we made the allegation it wasn't the first time we made it that nerds only think about sex oh right yes nerds are so good in bed because all they have to do they you know they they're not actually getting laid but they're spending all their time wishing they were getting laid and thinking about sex mm-hmm. and preparing for it and you know nerds like to study and they like to learn and they like to like geek yep. out about things so they you know one of the things they geek out about is uh sex sometimes absolutely <laughs> so we got a listener email do nerds only think about sex and it's from nerd of course <laughs> email address nerd at only think about about sex.com. <laughs> Love it. Not their real email address, obviously, but I thought that was funny. 
They said, serious question. I've heard you guys say this before, and you said it on this week's show, August 6th, which was last week. Nerdy guys are the best at sex because that's all they think about. How literal is that statement meant to be taken, if at all? Well, first off, Uh just real quick. It was a quote from Revenge of the Nerds, the first one. Lou Skolnick says it after he fucks Betty. Oh. So, So that's where I get the statement from. It's not something that I came up with. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, well, thanks for explaining that, because, Brian, you tend to throw out inside baseball jokes and nobody gets it nobody you throw out these obscure references of course because you're a self-described nerd yes and you're you like kind of take pride in it the fact that nobody gets it but it can lead to confusion so i try to explain it sometimes but sometimes things slip by me just like the natural killer cells right yeah yeah I, I, yeah <laughs> and i can't get them all so well I'm but i agree with this the listener called you out on that yeah um, i still kind of agree with the statement though but by the way yeah that scene in Revenge of the Nerds it's a little rapey. is very rapey. Yeah. What happens is there's a nerdy guy. He's in love with this sorority girl who's dating um, a guy, a frat guy, mm-hmm. you know, at the corresponding fraternity. And she's really hot and he's really hot. But he's like a dud in bed and he ignores her and doesn't pay attention to right. her. And he's, she's just kind of like a pretty trophy girlfriend to him. But he really doesn't satisfy her. So she gets horny. They're at like some kind of... They're at an event, fair, fair, or something like that, and they're doing a a booth or something like that to raise money or to prove who. No, they're doing a competition to see which fraternities get to stay on campus, and the nerds are trying to form their own competing fraternity and get a frat house, right? Something like something like that. And so they're at this campus fair. She gets horny, the the sorority girl, Mm -hmm. and everybody's dressed up in costumes. Right, because of the campus fair and the events that they're yes. doing, she goes into the fun uh, fun house, the Hall of Mirrors or something, right. and she's alone in there. And well, her she's bo- on the moon. Her boyfriend. Oh, she's on the moon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Her boyfriend was dressed up like Darth Vader. Yes, the last time she saw him. Yes. So in walks Louis Skolnick, the nerd who, Louis Skolnick, who uses takes stands, dresses up outfit. in the costume. He steals yeah. his costume. Yeah, and she thinks it's her boyfriend, but it's actually the nerd. Right. And so he starts having sex with her. She thinks it's her boyfriend. Yeah. Right? So she thinks it's Kiki that he's leaving the mask. She would not agree to have sex with the nerd if she knew he was the nerd, but she thinks it's her boyfriend and he fools her. Pretty rapey. Yes. And so then they, they have sex. And afterwards, she's like, oh my God, that was so good. Right. That was the best sex I ever had. And he takes off the Darth Vader mask and he's like, hey, it's me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then. At first, she's like, oh, my God, I thought it was my boyfriend. And he's like, well, no, it was me. And nerds are the best at sex because that's well, all we think well, about. No, right? no, no. Well, she says. OK, you explain. Well, at me. first she's offended or she's like, oh, why is it you? And then she stops mm-hmm. and she goes, are all nerds that good? Yeah, that's right. You know, then like, she's like not mad because yeah, she and, can't even be mad. And then he so says, good. yeah, it's like because that's all we do is think because all jocks do is think about sports. All we do is think about sex. That's right. Right. <laughs> So anyway, so so now you know the context behind that. Yes. (laughs) Don't try that at home. Don't ever do that. That's really rapey. Yeah. I mean, that's not consensual. No, no. No woman is going to be like, oh, you weren't my boyfriend. You tricked me into thinking you were my boyfriend and I fucked you. Right. But I'm not mad. Like, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think that's likely to happen. The the reaction that she had is going to be likely to be the reaction that anyone would have. Yeah. Anyway, so... The listener says, how literal is that statement meant to be taken, if at all? I know it makes no sense to say that if all I think is, 
I know it makes no sense to say that if all I think about is playing baseball, then I'll be really good at baseball. Is there any truth to that statement at all? Or are you guys just having a laugh? Excuse me, please. I have to go think about sex some more. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so, no, I'm not. I'm obviously not promoting like it some hasn't kind of... been studied in a scientific experiment. No. But from personal experience. Yeah, I would say I have data points to back that up. Okay, well, I'm just saying I'm not promoting any Wallace D. Waddles or, you know, Rhonda Byrne kind of new thought, new thought, the secret, you know. Oh, the secret. Oh, the law of attraction. Law of attraction, all that crap. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything remotely like that, obviously. Yeah, good to Um, know. Yeah. Neither am I. Yeah, I do. I do think that thinking something out in your head, I mean, you know, and studying it, which really I think that's what that that's all we think about is sex. Yeah, that's really. Yeah. There are actual studies on basketball players and volleyball players that mm-hmm. if you sit at a desk and visualize yourself making perfect free throws for mm-hmm. an hour, it's as good as actually making free throws for an hour on a basketball court well, in seen- terms of how much it improves your performance. Right. Now, unfortunately, Rhonda Byrne, Wallace D. Waddles, you know, Charles Hanel, all they these use guys, those studies they use they those studies say, to say run away with it. Yeah. <laughs> this is why the law of attraction is real. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't, what I mean is thinking about sex all the time is just like, you know, studying it and preparing for that. And there are things to do to prepare. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to prepare for, for sex. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Reading about it, technique, thinking about what you want to do, planning out if you're into like role playing or scenes or BDSM or anything like that, you could always plan that out in advance. Yeah. Actually listening to what other women want. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, you know, because most people don't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, you can do. So that's really all I mean by that is that, is that they've, you know, the amount of time that an athlete puts into studying their craft. Not necessarily in application. A sex uh, athlete. Is, you know, is is what a lot of nerds will do is just they think about sex all the time. They get very creative with sex. Like, I mean, I'll tell you. I, I mean, and you don't have to cooperate this, Stephanie, by any means. I'm just I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> we'll I'm just saying about this. I I feel I am very creative sexually. Like, I mean, I have wild fanta- fantasy ideas and, and and just other other, you know, wild ideas as far as that goes. Now, a lot of that stuff You do, you don't always tell them to me. No, not always. Sometimes I have to drag it out of you, like I have to ask you about it, and then you'll like reluctantly tell me. Sure, you're well, cooking I'll, this shit up in your head. <laughs> all right, well, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you. You know, now, I, well, I've said this to you before, but I'll let everybody else know. I mean, yeah, I'm working all day long, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and this, you know, but but honestly, a lot of my when I'm not thinking about whatever is on the job and all this stuff. I, I've got wild fantasies running through my head. I mean, and I'm thinking up all kinds of crazy shit. See, you, I think you, okay, this is a conversation we've had off the air a couple of times. <laughs> all right. I think you, you got to find a way to monetize that shit. You got to put it on Steam. It. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, no, I'm not going to put it totally on Steam. I have ideas no. on how to monetize this. No, but. I'm saying, yeah, like what I really wanted to say was you have to turn that into your job, like become an erotica writer or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, to some degree, I already did. My video games. Or at least my first video yeah, game, Hyper Cronies. Yeah, that's true. Your video games are very porn, In, porn explicitly horrific. sexual, yeah. uh, or explicitly, <laughs> explicitly. Sorry, explicitly sexual. Uh, Ninja Trek, not so much. But my first game, Hyper Cronies, had rampant sex in it. So uh, you know, so I, I do, I do put it into play. Um, but I have other ideas on how to how to do that. But I mean, I'll just say it. Like, I think about it all the time, and I do think that me planning out and having all these, you know, fantasy ideas and all that stuff, I get to use those, and they become, uh, they make the session far more enjoyable, I think. So, anyway. Right on. For everybody involved. Right on. 
There we go. You know, they, they always say that if you want to never work a day in your life, you do something that you love and figure out how to get paid for it. So oh, there you go. Oh, man. <laughs> I never want to get into the porn industry. Been there. I have no interest. Yeah, that's that's a thing though. It it turns sex into work, and yeah, yeah, yeah I, you got to be know. careful with that. But anyway. but am I a sex worker? Because I narrate some pretty saucy shit sometimes. Oh, do you? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do. You think I'm a sex worker? Or I don't not? know. If it's, I, a, it's a spectrum, I suppose. In like a very broad nowadays. sense, yeah, I think yeah. you're a sex worker. Yeah, but that is a any sex works. I mean, it's a. What if with I was me. just narrating like a Bitcoin book? And somebody listened to it and got a boner. Does that make me into a sex worker, or does it have to be like explicitly sexual? Uh, I think it material? has to be explicit. Okay. You know, I That's mean that because otherwise it's a fetish. But, yeah. yeah, I suppose it's a secret perv. Yeah, right. Okay, well, that's an interesting philosophical question. <laughs> there we go. Um, we have another listener email to get to. This is from I'm a listener. At this is not my actual email address at gmail.com. <laughs> Don't try to email them there. That's right. They say, I was listening to your recent podcast about the supposed lack of sex having had being had by millennials. And you mentioned something that simultaneously shocked me and struck a nerve. So great start to, to their email. Awesome. In case you missed what this listener is talking about. In our last show, we talked about an article that's been making the rounds on the internet. I've seen this is very popular. Yep. Um, everybody seemed to be talking about it and speculating about it. Uh, about why millennials are having less sex than previous generations were at that age. Yes. And now one interesting thing I saw, just to interject here, um, somebody was discussing that article uh, after we recorded that show, and we were speculating that maybe millennials aren't having sex because they have this crushing student loan debt that they're worried about paying off and nothing is less less sexy than stress and yes. that kind of thing. I saw somebody say something related, which is that a lot of millennials live with their parents and nah. what's less sexy than living with your parents? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, you're right. I mean, I, I thought couldn't that even... was a great point that they brought up. Yeah, yeah. it is a great point. Uh, and honestly, like, I mean, I couldn't even have sex in my house when I lived with, uh, or, you know, in the house when I lived with my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's why I got the biggest car I that's could That's why find. you moved out. <laughs> and yeah, that's why I moved out. But I mean, you know, yeah, I not not okay. Anyway. Well, good thing you're an older millennial, Brian. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so they say, I was listening to your recent podcast about the supposed lack of sex being had by millennials, and you mentioned something that simultaneously shocked me and struck a nerve. You said that millennials aren't dating because they have better things to do, and you seemed both shocked, oh, and you both seemed shocked, as am I. First, I'm a Gen Xer and not a millennial. I'm a libertarian activist. Oh, shit. He said the L word. Um, well, <laughs> what are we going to do about email. that? It wasn't our well, own We content. might have to bleep right. that. No, I'm we sorry. don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a libertarian activist, and I'm not willing to date a woman who isn't going to be a pro emotionally supportive. I'm also... Oh, God, I am having so much trouble reading right now. I don't know why. I'm a libertarian activist, and I'm not willing to date a woman who isn't willing to be emotionally supportive. I've also always thought of the whole go to a bar and meet women thing as a waste of time yep. and usually ends up meeting people with whom one has little in common except consumption of alcohol. Yep. <laughs> right. All true. Secondly, I find dating to largely be a waste of time. This could have something to do with the fact that every relationship I've had has ended with me being hurt. And aside from a few long distance relationships, I've been single for the last decade. You guys also mentioned that taking care of oneself and... Uh, that makes them more attractive. I've recently started getting back in shape and I've lost a significant amount of weight. However, I'm not happy with the way I look naked and I still don't feel attractive. 
Further, I'm constantly told that any woman would be lucky to date me and that I have so much to offer. However, I honestly don't know what I have to offer. I'm not well off. I work too much. I'm not the best looking guy in the room. And my hobbies include reading the news, reading legislation and going to the gym. Well, drop the legislation. That's just my opinion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we'll talk about the, uh, the content of the email later. Let me finish reading it. Even before I moved to New Hampshire, I heard for years, if you love liberty and are lonely where you live, move to New Hampshire. Yes, it's nice knowing that there are other people who love liberty in my town, but that alone doesn't alleviate the loneliness and, dare I say, depression. It's not going to ask... Oh, sorry. I'm not going to ask the typical, how do we attract more women to liberty question, because quite frankly, we all know it's a bullshit question. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Instead, I'm going to ask for any advice you may have on how I can increase my self-esteem and overcome the years of rejection to feel like I'm worthy of finding a loving relationship. Also, any advice on where to meet someone who doesn't live too far away would be great. So what do you think, Brian? How can he increase his, I assume it's a he, did he say he's a guy? I think it said it was a he. Okay. How can he increase his self, his sense of self-worth? And also, where do you meet people? Okay. Uh, locally. I mean, yeah. My, oh boy. Uh, my, my, do you want me to go first or do you need some time to think about this? Or? Well, I'll lay out a couple things quick. Okay. Yeah, go for it. One is, is that, I mean, like confidence is literally everything. You do not have to be the best looking guy in the room. You just need to be the most confident no, guy. Especially if you're a guy. Like women are, you know, people say men are mostly attracted to looks. Mm -hmm. Women often can really overlook. Looks are not the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of women will appreciate a hot guy, but that doesn't, it doesn't disqualify you if you're not a conventionally hot guy. If you have a great sense of humor, if you're confident, if you have things that you are passionate about, um, you're a winner to women. Like, women will be interested in you because of those things. Yeah. Confident- and if you don't believe me, I mean, look at some of the guys that women find hot. Like, <laughs> we were just talking about Larry David. Like, how does Larry David get laid? Well, I guess he has money, but he also has a great sense of humor. Sure. Right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, the sense of humor thing, don't don't rely on that one too much, in my opinion. Um, but, y- you know, you... You got it. You just got to build up that confidence. Now, there's a couple of ways to go about this. You said you're going to the gym. I don't know what stage your body is in as far as going to the gym. Some people ask this sort of question when maybe they're just starting out going to the gym mm-hmm. or something like that, or maybe they, you know, they're overweight at the time, or whatever. And, and please, I understand. I've been overweight. I know how yep, it goes. Me too. Okay. Uh, the most, I'll say this: the most important thing to work out is your arms. Okay, because no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Okay, I'm cracking up because the other day you asked me, "Hey, do my legs look out of proportion to the rest of my body?" Well, that's because I'm working on a legs. full physique here. But, but seriously, okay, the arms you do not have chicken legs, by the way. Yeah, no, th- thank you. Um, but so work on your arms if you, if you are just starting working out, or even if you are still, you know, maybe you still have a bit of a gut going for you and whatever. And I mean, no insult by that. Okay, work on your arms because You're that digging can... yourself into a hole here. How am I digging myself into a hole? <laughs> You're talking about his gut. No, why? <laughs> you don't even know what he looks like. No, I don't. But I mean, you, you know, I'm just saying. Maybe that... he's already had great arms. Okay, if he does, well, then awesome. <laughs> then, 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 what I'm saying, you know, I don't know. I don't have enough information. I'm just okay. saying. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. Just go ahead. Having great arms, okay, is going to a give you the confidence, and b believe me, in the looks department, okay, if you want to work on that at all, um, you you know that will, that that allows for a lot of other flaws to be ignored. 
if yeah, you have I really big arms. I agree with you. Yeah, arms yeah. are one of the first things you notice. A lot of times guys are wearing short sleeves. Powerful shoulders are hot and sexy. And sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Having good arms is a, is a big plus. Yeah, so work on that. Um, and I mean, that'll, you know, that'll take you, that, that helps with your confidence. Again, it gives you a certain look that can overcome any other perhaps flaws you may feel that you mm-hmm. have. And I have flaws. I mean, you know, I don't, I have no problem admitting that. Um, th- then the second thing, self-esteem, the other parts of self-esteem. I, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but please do, please read the six pillars of self-esteem. Please read the works of Nathaniel Brandon. You know what? I'm glad you said that because Nathaniel Brandon was on my list too. I made yeah. a, I made a list of bullet points of things I wanted to say, and that was on my list. Yeah, I mean, he explains love. He explains so much of this stuff and self love, and then love for other people. I mean, it's really it, it's just powerful works. I definitely recommend reading that as far as how to build up actual self esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I so th- those are the two things I recommend as far as answering where to go to actually meet people. Now they mentioned dating. Okay. Uh, in, in the email. Now, I, that, that has a bunch of different meanings, you know, dating. Now, right. You, what do they mean? Do they mean going on Tinder and swiping or do they mean? Right. I mean, having a steady girlfriend could mean that you are dating. Right. Right. Some people use it to mean that. Right? To mean we're, a relationship. We're dating. We've been dating for five years. Right? Yeah, exactly. Which that's not usually what I use the term dating for. Right. I and wouldn't say of, we're dating, Brian. No. We live together. We're a life partner. Yeah, we're in a relationship. We're not planning yeah. on breaking up. So ever. Yeah. What are we? I don't know. But we're not dating. We're past that point. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, and we didn't even really like. Well, anyway. When I say dating or when I hear dating, I think, and when I think the emailer means the same thing, it means like you ask, like, say you're at work and you just happen to ask somebody out. Uh, that, hey, do you want to go out for dinner Friday night? Yeah, yeah that's you, dating. Right. That's dating. And I agree with you. I think that's bullshit. Like, I, I don't, I think that is a complete waste of time. Um, like you learning all these rules that go with it. Oh, you can't call her for three days or whatever. Oh, like, it's, who it's, calls each other anymore? No. Anyway, everybody texts. Right? Yeah, it's, it's madness. Okay. So, but this answers, this goes into my answer for where's a great place to meet people just, and I've said this before. So if I sound like a broken record, I apologize, but just do what you do, do what you normally do every single day. Okay. Go to those places. You know, if you like hiking, go hiking, go whatever. And well, he says he doesn't like to do anything except read the bills. And go to the gym and read the news. Well, then the gym is the place. Yeah, the gym. I, w- I agree with that. Yeah, the then the gym is the, is the place. place. Yeah. Like, you, what you are doing is what you are doing, and you don't want anybody to interrupt that. I mean, because then there's just going to be this whole recipe of unhappiness. But, you know, every that, that gym, brewing. but every gym has, like, smoothie bars and things like that, and people, yeah. people hang out there. Sure. Like, you know, even if you're in the middle of a workout and she's in the middle of a workout or whatever, mm-hmm. you see a cute girl at the gym, you can find an opportunity to talk to her when she's not in the middle of something and yeah. busy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I say meet at the gym. I don't think the gym is like the perfect place. The perfect place to meet people is gone, is largely gone. It's the best place out of the places that he listed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, the perfect place. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, the bookstore. (laughs) The bookstore was the ultimate place to meet women uh, or to meet men, too. I mean, you know, all this a lot of this advice kind of goes goes both ways, except with women. Maybe you want to work on something other than the arms. Um, See, you know, anytime anybody says this, like, oh, yeah, approach women in the grocery store, try to pick up women at the bookstore, at the gym. 
I have to say, as a woman, sometimes it's really annoying when you just want to go grocery shopping and there's dudes trying to stick their dick in you. Absolutely. Or get you as their girlfriend. It's like sometimes you just want to be left alone and you want to you will you go to the fucking bookstore because you want to buy a book, not because you want some dick. Uh, well, that's not. You see, this is what I agree with you about the grocery store completely. Right. Um, the bookstore, I think, is a little bit different because usually you're perusing. And like you're looking to see what's new that came out. Okay. There's been a lot of times I can think of. I, I mean, and not always. Yes, there are yeah. some people who are going to the bookstore and they are absolutely open to meeting people. Yeah. There are some people who are going to the gym and they're hoping guys will talk to them. Right. Right. There's there's some there's exceptions to every rule. I'm just saying that I feel like on behalf of all women, I have to put it out there that. Not every girl who's at the gym, even if you think she's pretty, if you think she's cute, if you wish she she'd, she'd go out with you, not every girl in those places wants to be hit on. Absolutely. Some no, of them right. are lesbians. Right. Some of them have a boyfriend. Some of them just want to go grocery shopping and be left alone. No, you're right. Right? Yeah. So be mindful of that and try to pick up on signs that she wants you to talk to her or she wants to talk to you. Yes. You know what I mean? Because if people really don't want to be approached, usually they'll be looking down. They won't be making eye contact. They'll be engrossed in what they're doing. If someone's engrossed in what they're doing, it's a pretty safe bet that they don't want you to just come up and initiate a conversation with them. Yeah. And that's how you can avoid rejection by looking for signs that people are meeting you halfway. Yeah. Right. If you don't want to be rejected, don't approach someone who's obviously going to reject you based on the fact that they're busy doing something else. Right. You know what I mean? Approach the person who who looks like they want to be approached, who's making eye contact with you, who's smiling at you, who's who's find something to talk to you about, who starts a conversation with you. Yeah. That's a great sign that that they want to talk they want to engage yeah right so i think you can avoid a lot of rejection by just choosing carefully who you who you engage with yeah. you know who you choose to engage with if you're engaging on approachable people or people who don't want to be talked to yeah you're going to get rejected and you're going to feel like shit and then it's a downward spiral because you're right. like oh my god every time i try to talk to someone i get rejected this is terrible for my confidence and yeah that's that's absolutely what happens yeah <laughs> so <laughs> talk to the friendly people don't talk to the unfriendly people <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so i mean that, that that's that's my short list i mean stephanie what do you you know what do you think so okay i had some notes at as far as how to improve your self-esteem and how to know what you have to offer as a mm-hmm. partner, um, I think that's a great introspective question to ask. So yeah. first of all, good job asking that question. Like, thanks for your curiosity about Absolutely. yourself and how to improve these things. I had three things down. I had time, Nathaniel Brandon, and ask your friends for feedback. So mm. let me explain what I mean by those three things. Time. Healing from rejection, especially if it's a really painful and a recent rejection, like let's just say you really like this girl, you went out on a couple of days with her, she broke up with you, or you had a friend that you were interested in for years and you finally confessed your feelings to her and she turned you down and she said, I don't feel that way about you. Yeah. Okay. Those are some examples of very hurtful and very fresh rejections. Now, those suck. I mean, I massive empathy about those and if you're like most people you've had more than one of those you had a string of those sure sure (laughs) i've certainly experienced those too i mean i know it's hard to believe that anyone would reject the lovely and hyper intelligent dr stephanie murphy i can't believe it it has certainly happened (laughs) and uh it sucks it hurts you know and the only thing that makes it better is time yeah and, you know, you, you got to realize that just it happens. You don't hit 100% of the balls out of the park. 
why am I using a sports ball analogy? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like it seemed appropriate there. Well, I think rejection is. I mean, you don't look- have a hundred percent success rate. You're going to get rejected some of the time. You can minimize the amount that you get rejected by choosing wisely who you make put yourself out to. Yeah. You know what I, you know what I mean? Because like if you. In order to try to start something with somebody, you're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to be a little bit vulnerable. And with that comes the potential of being rejected. Right. So just choosing who you put that out to wisely goes a long way in preventing the rejection. But with the inevitable rejections that happen, time is going to is going to be what heals you from them. So if you've just experienced a fresh rejection... Maybe don't try to jump into dating again right away. Maybe take a little time off and heal yourself up from it and just don't, you know, don't make it a priority to try to get another girlfriend right away or try to get someone interested in you right away. Just enjoy the things that you like doing for a little while. And then when you feel ready, maybe you're ready to jump back in, but it doesn't have to be right away. You don't have to be in a huge rush. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I just want to add one sentence. Keep in mind, not every opportunity is for you. You know, like, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, there's usually when someone rejects you, you can see later it, it it's hard to see it at the time mm-hmm. but you can see later how they actually did you a favor because you were not right for each other yeah in many many ways yeah so not every ways. opportunity is for you I mean, <laughs> that that's true in relationships business all across the board mm-hmm. yeah. it now that doesn't mean it doesn't still hurt sure i, mean, no. I can see how every person who's rejected me was not right for me but it still hurts oh it yeah still sucks same happened to me <laughs> I've, I've had that but you know what? Um, having that perspective and that comes with time, with time comes clarity and yep. with time comes healing. Um, it, it, that's just the, the best thing and sometimes the only thing you can do. And then you said Nathaniel Brandon, so we don't have to cover that again. But, um, and by the way, there's been some Nathaniel Brandon books purchased through our after show link. Oh, I'm so happy to stuff. see that. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, some of the most important books on the planet. Uh, just phenomenal. And I mean, like, I, you know, Nathaniel... Our listeners have great taste. Yeah, I mean, Nathaniel Brandon, of course, was a student of Ayn Rand and, well, more than a student. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, hot that was teacher. hot for teacher <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, and I mean, Ayn Rand's works are so good. They're not perfect. They're so good, but Nathaniel Brandon really fills in a lot of the more emotional aspects yeah. of that, that objectivism, you know, left blank, I think. It's uh, funny and ironic that it took a man to do that, right? Because, that is interesting. Because, You'd like, usually be the opposite. women are supposed to be all, like, feely and emotional, and Ayn Rand was, like, has this reputation for being, like, this... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, like a dragon lady or something. Yeah, <laughs> no feelings. Yeah, uh, so. totally, totally logical and totally, yeah, <laughs> uh, the ultimate stoic and uh, unemotional person. But <laughs> an- anyway, um, the last thing I had was, how do you know what you have to offer in a relationship? Well, I think this is where your friends come in because your friends can give you really honest feedback, and if they're really your friends, and you and you put your and you ask this, and you present yourself in a way that they're not afraid to give you honest feedback Mm -hmm. they'll be able to tell you if you're having trouble coming up with things yeah yeah you know like if someone came if i came to some someone i think i have a few friends that i could go to and they would tell me very honestly yeah your hair is a great feature never cut your hair right you know um and i agree with that (laughs) and oh you're very smart and that's a good feature some people are going to be intimidated by that some people are going to be turned off by that but don't ever play down your your intelligence because it's a wonderful thing about you yeah you know and they'll they'll be able to say well you also have a great voice you know before I ever became a voice actor or before I 
ever thought about becoming a voice actor. I remember being in med school. This was like one of the first weeks that I was in med school, Mm -hmm. which I eventually quit and didn't finish med school. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the first couple of weeks in, in med school, I went hiking with a couple of people in my med school class and we were driving in the car, having a conversation. And this girl turns to me, who was my classmate. She's sitting next to me in the car and she turns to me and she goes, you know, you have a great voice. You really should like read audiobooks or something. Mm-hmm. And I kind of laughed because I had never thought of that before. I had never even, it had never even occurred to me that yeah. I could read audiobooks. And so I kind of laughed it off. I said, Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's nice. And she wasn't the only person who said something like that. It turned out. And, you know, I, at the time I didn't take it seriously, but then I remembered it later when I started thinking more seriously about, yeah, I, I have a podcast for a hobby and maybe I could do voiceover. Mm. And I, re- I remembered what she said. And I thought that was really valuable, good feedback. Yeah. You absolutely. Know? Um, so, so your friends will tell you, I mean, sometimes whether you ask them or not, they'll tell you what you have to offer and what the great qualities about you are. You just have to kind of listen. Yeah. I mean, now do you have, do you have a place that you recommend? Like, a place. Yeah. To, to, um, find, to meet somebody. So I have, I have another one, but go ahead. Oh, you t- tell me. No, yours. no, you go, you go. Okay. So the places that I had wrote down, there's four places. One of them was okay. Cupid which you're, you maybe won't like me for that. But out of the dating sites, I like OkCupid best because it has all those match questions that you can answer and it's free. And um, it tends to have more people that are our age. Uh, I know a lot of people who have met and had actual real relationships from OkCupid. Mm. Um, I think OkCupid's cool and there's a decent user base and stuff like that. Um, so for dating websites, I would recommend that over something like Tinder. Um, Meetup was another one. If you go to, if you go to meetups about things that you're interested in, um, you can a lot of times meet people there. If you're in the libertarian community in New Hampshire, just go to some parties. Like you'll meet people. Yeah. I, (laughs) just go out, leave the house. You'll meet people. (laughs) You know, I was going to recommend do not, do not go to liberty events. Like there's some like pork fest, Uh the reform and others to find women. No, no, yeah, like, don't, that's don't, probably not not don't. the best idea. But uh, I'm not going to say it hasn't happened. I mean, that's kind of how we met, Brian. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's 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 uncovered in a later um, one of my suggestions, which we'll get to. Okay. All um, right. How to meet people? Another way to meet people locally is friends. Like I said, go to some parties. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like you know centered around an interest or a political belief or anything like that. But just if you make friends, maybe you'll make some friends at the gym. Yeah. They'll invite you to do stuff. Yeah, go you somewhere know, I, where they're playing Cards Against Humanity or something. Right, and you'll meet people that way. Sure. And it, maybe there's at least some degree of commonality. Like, I remember um, when I first moved to this area in New Hampshire 10 years ago, I joined a gym, and pretty quickly I made some friends at the gym, mm-hmm. men men and women, and we would often, you know, go to exercise classes and go out and, like, kind of mix groups, and I met people that way that I wanted to fuck. <laughs> I don't think I did with anybody. No, I really didn't with anybody. But I met people that way that it was a potential for. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, And then finally, have a blog or a podcast and put yourself out there. That was my fourth place to meet people. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a pretty good answer. Um, Yes, because now that might not attract people locally. But you could potentially reach out to the whole world. You could connect with someone who really gets you. Because they're listening to the things, to the the side of yourself or the 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 things about yourself that you p- 
put out there on the internet and let yeah. it shine for for the whole world to see. And they really get you and they connect with you. And they could potentially move to where you are, or you could move to where they are. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one that could uh, that that's a pretty good one. I like that answer. Yeah. So, so I that's mean, the and that's, fourth place to meet people. And that's kind of how I met you. Not that I. That's came how we to, met. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Brian. Not not that I was that. coming for a romantic relationship. You know, not that I moved to New Hampshire. No, for that, but. but before we ever met each other in person, you sent me an email to my podcast. Yeah. And we started talking to each other that way. And yeah. then, you know, I've told the story on the show before. I thought you would be George Costanza, but you weren't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now I will say. Brian was never, I mean, no offense by this, Brian, and I know you won't take offense to Mm -hmm. this, but you are not like a conventional football jock looking guy. Actually, you'd probably take that as a compliment. Yeah, I take that as a compliment. (laughs) You're not like a conventional hot jock kind of guy. Nope. At all. I mean, I'm a big guy, but I'm not, I don't look like that. Right. That's the next thing I was going to say. But you have a lot of things that I find physically attractive anyway. Mm -hmm. You're tall. You mm-hmm. had these nice broad shoulders and a big, nice neck. Mm-hmm. You have nice, kind, beautiful brown eyes. Mm. You know. Thank you. Um, you look at me. You, may, you look at my face when we talk. <laughs> <laughs> eyes are up here, fellas. You know. Yeah. And we just had a really s- similar, you know, from the beginning, it was apparent that we thought really similarly on a sure. lot of different things. And we connected right away. And that was attractive to me. You're a funny guy. You have a sense of humor. I like that about you. Sure. Um, and, you know, confident. But, you know, I would say that one of the most attractive things about you that drew me to you initially was that you had a lot of things that you were passionate about. Nah. And so so do I. I'm a. That's the hallmark of a nerd, right? Oh, yeah. Is you're passionate about something. Hell that's yeah. what makes you a nerd. Yeah. So <laughs> being a nerd can actually be a very attractive thing because you have passions and you have things in your life that you're excited about. Yes. And if you find somebody who... Either they don't even have to share your specific passions. They just see that you're passionate about something and that makes you sexy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it pays to be a nerd. Yeah, I I totally agree. (laughs) To our last email or two, it pays to be a nerd. Being a nerd is sexy. Yeah. There you have it. Um, I think we should just quit right now. That's that's it. The okay. show's over. Right, we no. can stop there. I, I had one more recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, we go can, for it. Go for it. All right. It. Well, well, kind of two. One, one is, is that conventions, that's certainly the, the... Oh, conventions. Yeah, that's another one. That's kind of like meetups. But don't go to libertarian ones. You've got to go to something like... Yeah. You know, we were watching... We, um, confession time. Sometimes we watch Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. It's mostly for the entertainment value. We don't really believe that aliens came to Earth or anything like that, or yeah. that they're still here, or any of the myriad things that alien people believe. But, um, you know, we watch it for fun. And in the show, they have these advertisements for Alien Con. You, I, you could meet so many women at that. I guarantee you. <laughs> I know. I said, as soon as I saw that commercial... Okay, the whole purpose for this event is so Giorgio Sukalos can have an orgy. Yes. With hundreds of women. And he will. And he will. He gets laid. I guarantee <laughs> it. That guy gets laid. Yeah. The guy with the hair, him. the guy on the meme, yeah, you know, on the, where, where the meme says aliens and he's like, he's like, two of his hands are parallel, yeah. you know, next to his face. And he's like, look, I'm telling you, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's rocking it. That guy gets laid. And you know why? Because of Alien Con. And because of who he is, he's he's passionate about something. He's not the best looking guy in the room, but he's passionate about something, and he's got a purpose and a mission. So there you go. Yeah. If Giorgio Sukalos can get laid, so can you. Yeah. So real quick, the other one is an experiment, and that is go to concerts. 
Okay, and, and like for, for music that you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about music, well, obviously this doesn't work, and I don't know what's going on upstairs. But, um, but you know, go to concerts. I've met women at these things in, like, the parking lot and all that. Uh, and, and then you, you sort of I have... I think you're dreaming. No, no, no. I don't think that happens nowadays. Well, maybe it doesn't. But, but that one's experimental, just to toss that out there. All right. This has been Sex and Science Hour. Back at you next week, and our after show's coming up. Stay tuned. Woo! You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. going to alien con brian are you gonna take oh, me to man. alien con I, are we gonna try to pick up women at alien con <laughs> you know i gotta tell you <laughs> yes <laughs> one of the rare joys in life is when you're Dating a bisexual woman who yes to... <laughs> exactly when you are when your significant other you know when you know who you're in a relationship with when it's another woman whatever however that all shapes up and when you can both look at women and appreciate you know, and, and, and also, well, what you were hinting at, I, I mean, it's just wonderful. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well, um, it's it's great because you're so understanding about my bisexual. I wouldn't uh, date someone who was any less than, than as understanding as you are. You know, if they yeah. had a problem with it, I would not. I would tell them bye bye. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a great thing. You know, but I mean, I love I'm it if we're at. A, I got. Yeah, I mean, I love it when we're at a store and like. You're just like, oh, she was hot. Like, <laughs> yeah, I say that sometimes. It's so good. It's true. Anyway, anyway, so we're on our after show now. Yeah. Um, welcome to welcome to Sex and Science Hour. If this is your first time tuning in, I don't know what you think by now, but maybe you're intrigued. Maybe you're a little bit freaked out. I'm not really sure. Never but, give a podcast one episode. You got to give it two or three. Yeah, you know, I I think our podcast has really been growing on people. I actually heard from someone today who listens to our show, and she said that um, not only does she dance every time she hears our theme music coming mm-hmm. on, she takes pride in that, but she says she loves our after show. She, at first, she wasn't sure if she wanted to like <laughs> commit to the after show because it makes the show a little bit longer, and she wasn't sure if she had time, but eventually she grew to love it, and she told me it's like, it's like QVC, but sexy and <laughs> s- sexy. It's like a sexy home shopping channel. I love it. I have to say that I know some of the audience that listens to this show, and and I'm going to plug myself and say also listeners of Sovereign Tech, and some of the most brilliant, beautiful women on the planet listens to these shows. Oh, that's a fact. I mean, that is that is just so. And I I can think of some. Yeah, I can think (laughs) of a few. Oh yeah, and and I am so honored by that. Uh, and, and I know you are too, Stephanie. Yes. And I mean, and if that's, if that's not endorsement enough, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, it's just, it's wonderful. So yeah, thank I you think so that much points for listening. to the fact that we're doing something right. So, yeah. Thank, right. Not thank to you pat so ourselves much to on the people. back too much or anything. Not I don't want to get cocky or no, arrogant. No but, need for that. But, but I'm uh, proud that so many intelligent people listen to our show and yes. people that I like and respect. So yes. anyway, um, so this is, it's QVC time, Brian. Maybe we can't say that. Maybe we just like... 
copyrighted yeah, or something. we're going to get a takedown notice. Well, <laughs> it's bleep. <laughs> Home shopping bleep. <laughs> so in case you're not familiar with how this works, we uh, support our show by um, having an Amazon affiliate link. And you can go to stuff. stuff com. That was like, we couldn't have planned that better. Good I know, job. it's great. <laughs> Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And you can go shopping through that link and we will get a percentage of your uh, purchase price for the items. Doesn't change the price you pay or anything like that. But it does give us a list of what people bought. It doesn't say who bought it. It just shows us what was purchased in the passive tense right um so we can see what was what was bought we don't know who got it unless you tell us which some people do tell us because we speculate about what people are using it for and (laughs) why they got it and things like that yeah so we read the purchases on our after show so it's kind of a neat way to actually be on our show and participate and you can do it anonymously if you want to or you can reveal your identity it's up to you yeah so um so what do people get this week well actually before we do that last week uh, we have another listener email. <laughs> Got a lot of email this week. Um, last week, some we we said at the very end of the after show that somebody had bought these sensory brushes. Right. And okay, I was guessing that somebody was using them for sex. Okay, because yep. they were they were like they were like these body brushes, right? And you yeah. brush them on your skin, and it creates a sensation. And it said in the description, like, well, you can use them for autistic kids to like calm them down and or if they have sensory processing issues then it it helps people uh, deal with that and i thought oh no no this person's using them for sex and there were it was like a bag of like 12 of them or something yeah so i was like oh they gotta be using it for sex so i speculated that that was the case (laughs) well actually i was completely wrong about that (laughs) maybe not completely wrong but i was kind of kind of off base and we got an email about it so (laughs) this person said I brought these, I bought the sensory brushes in the last episode. I'm of a bit of an odd duck, if you haven't noticed. One such oddity I have is I was diagnosed with sensory integration disorder when I was in fifth grade. I guess since it's been changed, I guess since then it's been changed to a quote dysfunction. Not sure what the difference is. The long and short of it is that it's something like autism. Sensory inputs are processed irregularly in the brain. In my case, certain types of sensory inputs are processed at an 11 or a 15 instead of the same 7 to 10 level as someone else. So I guess that means this person can feel something like maybe clothing against their skin or something like that. And it feels like way it's way dialed up. It's way oversensitive. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be probably very distracting. Or maybe noises are like that, too. Yeah. If he hears like a rustling of leaves, it's like, what's that? I can't focus on anything else. I'm just imagining that that might be what it's like. But it's a sen- sensory processing disorder or a sensory integration disorder. So... He says, this meant I had some, quote, superpowers, such as hearing above and below the normal range for humans, and some weaknesses, like the sensation of normal clothes driving me insane and smelly kids inciting violence in me. Oh, my gosh. I could only imagine if it smells bad. That would make you want (laughs) to make you want to go nuts. (laughs) Anyway, one of the handful of useful therapies I found to use was those brushes to essentially rewire the sensory inputs to be a little more normal. Brushing for everywhere between five to ten minutes a day for a little over a year got me to the point where I now comfortably wear, quote, normal clothes and some not so normal clothes. (laughs) It also helped with some of my auditory issues, oddly enough. I've got three little girls now, and I thought that brushing might be a useful tool to give them in the vein of, 
I thought that brushing may be a useful tool to give them in the vein of the whole peaceful parenting thing. Encouraging them to quietly brush themselves when they're obviously overwhelmed is likely to have better outcomes than the more traditional and authoritarian solutions of such a circumstance. Regardless of whether or not they inherited my wonky genetics, I could have brought I could have bought a three or six pack of the brushes, giving one or two of each to my giving one or two to each of my kids. But I have to admit that I have some ideas for my wife and I as well. So I got some extras. <laughs> <laughs> the brushes seem to be helping the kids and my wife and I got some good laughs and good times as well. All in all, I'm happy with the purchase and I'm still coming up with new uses for the brushes if you know what I mean. Hey, <laughs> all right. So thank you for that email. That was very educational. I learned something new. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to share that with us. It's amazing it's what you find out about people. Yeah. I, I've kind of heard of like, I don't know if this is the same thing that he's describing with the sensory integration stuff, but mm-hmm. I've heard of so-called highly sensitive people where supposedly their nervous systems are just like a little extra sensitive to everything, including like emotional stimuli. And, you know, people read articles about them online and they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds like me. I'm a highly sensitive person. Oh, right, and I right. totally thought that. Too. I'm like, oh, I must be highly sensitive. I'm very sensitive. You know, like when I get offended, like love. I get, s- <laughs> <laughs> I take things personally. I get really sad when someone says something mean about me. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I must be a highly sensitive person, <laughs> but I don't think I'm highly sensitive like this person who wrote the email. I don't have to brush myself to wear normal clothing. Let's just put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> So thank you for educating us about that. I thought yeah. that was really interesting. I'm right glad the brushes are helping and I'm glad they're fun. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's all you can ask for. So cool. All right. What did people buy this week? Well, we got something that I know you'll like, Brian. In the books department, we had To Dream in the City of Sorrow, which oh. is a Babylon 5 book. Now you love oh. Babylon 5. Now I, I kind of debated whether we should even talk about this because... I know who bought it. Because I I recommended it. it. I know exactly who bought it. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we'll keep them anonymous unless they want to be revealed. But that's cool that you know. But the the funny thing about this is that I know you love Babylon 5. It's the greatest show ever made. Yep. Okay, so that was an understatement that you love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The greatest show on earth. Um, No, never mind the circus. It's Babylon 5. Yes. This person paid one cent for the book. Yeah, see, all right. And we made zero dollars off. <laughs> <laughs> so this is commonplace on Amazon to where they sell it for a penny. Right. And, and then they, they make charge money off the shipping, shipping fee. Right. So, yeah. So really, like the book. We act, don't make any commission on the shipping. Though, yeah. So. <laughs> but let me tell you, I make just in knowing that somebody bought that book, that somebody is going to read and experience priceless that book. Uh, that is gift enough. <laughs> to me uh it's a fantastic book i'll just very quickly say yes babylon 5 it's a sh- it's a uh, science fiction show from the 90s all about this space station uh it is d space 9 totally copied babylon 5 it is a fact of life and i love star trek and i don't mind admitting that um but babylon 5 uh just just a phenomenal it, you know before shows today that do long story arcs like game of thrones whatever else they would not exist if Babylon 5 didn't do it first. And when Babylon 5 did it in the early 90s, it was groundbreaking. Like, no, And everybody thought it was insane to do that. Uh, but they did it. It was great. This book in particular is a canon book. It's actually written by the wife of the creator of Babylon 5. Wow. So it has canon like the Bible? Yeah. Is that what you're talking yep. about? Like Catholic 
Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Just like that. Uh, it is canon, and it, uh, it it explores the character of uh, Jeffrey Sinclair. I mean, it, it's just a, a fantastic read. Uh, I, I I love it. It's it's if you're if you're into Babylon Five, if you've never read any of the books, this is the one to start with. There you go. Right on. Okay, yes. Brian's review that he didn't even he did totally off the top of his head. Um, I can do anything about Babylon Five off the top. I of my know. Head. Oh. I know. You're such. You're so you're so on top of your trivia. You used to be called the king of the nerds when you went to all these conventions because you would win all these conven- I, trivia competitions. I became Although now they probably don't even have this. No, they still they still kind of do this stuff. Do. Like there's a schmodown, there's a few others. Hmm. Um, but a schmodown. Uh, sh- yeah, that's a long story. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I became a minor celebrity in the convention circuit uh, for for a few years, about five years, because like I could just I'd knock these trivia contests. Like out of the park. I mean, it, it was you know to use another sports phrase that you already used in the show, uh, and uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it sure, was a lot of fun. Not? It was a, it was a hell of a thing, and uh, yeah, I it made for some good times. Uh, and later what did on. you did you win prizes? You got to meet sometimes. You got to meet like celebrities and stuff, right? Yeah, I used to go. Yeah, I used to win uh, well, to go to dinners. I guess. Yeah. Well, no, I mean they're celebrities, whatever. Do I mean, they have a name like you know celebrities in the L word community? We've already blown it. I mean, libertarian. Celebritarians? <laughs> yeah. Celebritarian. Yeah. They're called celebritarians because right. it's a combination of celebrity and libertarian. Right. Do they have a name like that in the nerd world or are they no. just celebrities? They're just celebrities. Okay. I mean, because well, especially. That's when you know you've made it big. Yeah. I mean, and especially now. Special name for them. <laughs> right. I mean, because now everybody likes comic book movies and, you, you know, so now there's no special terms to go by. But anyway, that's, yeah, good times. Really, really great times. So in the gaming department, uh, speaking of, of gaming and computers. Speaking of nerds. Speaking of nerds, right. Somebody got a great um, Sennheiser PC 363D high-performance surround sound Ooh. gaming headset. I think somebody reads PC Gamer. Because Probably, I, I think that was their top uh, that was their top headset. Oh, really? Yeah. They do like a consumer reports of yep. gaming stuff. Every year, yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's a good set. Yeah, nice it looks work. it looks very nice. It looks very comfortable, which it's going to have to be if you're sitting there playing games all night. Yeah, absolutely, might as well all be night comfortable. long. <laughs> and uh, that was at the one hundred sixty dollar price point, so yep. they're not afraid to spend a little money on it. But I'm, I hope it's worth it. I hope you have fun playing games. That sounds awesome. Um, somebody had bought a graphics card a while ago. It was a, it was a uh, GE Force GTX eight ninety Ti six gigabyte classic. Classified gaming ACX 2.0 plus whisper silent cooling graphic card. And we were speculating, like, are they mining Ethereum with it or are they playing games? <laughs> could be, it could go either way. Sure. I don't know what they're doing with it, but they returned it. Wow. <laughs> so, are we really going to bring it up when they return things? <laughs> I feel like well, it's still mentioning it, right? So it might inspire somebody else to buy a graphics card or something like that. Yeah. But I'm curious, like if there was something wrong with it, or if they just mined enough Ethereum and then they're like, "Okay, I'm sending the shit back." Don't don't make him anxious. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but we still made twenty five cents from it because okay. when we were when they bought it, we got eleven dollars. But when they returned it, we only had to give ten seventy five back. So ha, there it is. <laughs> Uh, I'll take that quarter. Thank you very much. Yes. Probably more than I could make on Steam. It. Um, <laughs> so I didn't say it. Uh, yeah. Hey. No, that's what I'm afraid of. Like it's almost like the guy who's afraid of rejection. I'm afraid if if I post on Steam, it my post is going to get like six cents, and then I'm going to feel really shitty, and I'm going to feel like I sold out for nothing. 
uh, I would feel the opposite. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, good. It just proves yeah, my this point is that about everybody what this on post here is, is a bunch of six cents, well, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody bought something that has a strange name, but it looks like a totally respectable gadget thing. Not, Although can, I don't know. Can what I it interject does. real yeah, quick? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. This, this is, is the after show. This is a point that I've. I want to talk about Steam it for one second. Okay. Okay. One. And this is this is a problem that I have with it. Is that I I think it's bullshit that people were not willing to either pay in Bitcoin or with PayPal or whatever the myriad systems out there that exist for my content or your content or whoever else's content. Right. But, oh, just because yeah, that's a great point. it's on fucking Steam it, I'll give you $2,000. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. And right, because they're not giving you their own money. They're giving... It costs them nothing to upvote it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It they, they costs them nothing to... Get, to do something that results in you getting money, it's very weird. It's yeah. like they're literally spending someone else's money. So of course they're going to give be more generous. And it's not money. It's a it's a made up a cryptocurrency yeah. that isn't really doesn't really have the same psychological value. I think as Bitcoin or uh, U.S. dollars do. Right. So so I don't feel like there's a value for value exchange uh, happening there. And I know some people want to say, well, that's because you know you're not on a platform where it's easy to do. And I say. That's fucking nonsense. No, you're, okay, you're trying to make it easy. You're on Patreon. You got Bitcoin donation. You got PayPal donation. You got products yes. to sell. Yeah. I yeah, mean, there's that, so many ways you can advertise on your show. There's so many ways people can pay you. Like, what what way can people not pay you? Well, okay, but not only that, but yeah, yeah, all that's true, yes. But, like, also the fact that for years in the at Bitcoin conferences and in the cryptocurrency space, supposedly micropayments has been the thing. Like that's, that's right. what this yes. is all supposed to be about is that it's all <laughs> micro. Right. So either everybody in the Bitcoin space has been full of goddamn shit for years, you know, about this, about micropayments and all that or what? I don't get it. Like, I just there, it doesn't make any sense. The only the only possible well, they're micro stingy. Well, right. They don't well, want to do make micropayments. Right. I mean, so the only possible explanation is that either my content is not valued, which is fine if you don't value it or steam it or, or steam dollars, whatever are worthless because you're willing to hand them over at the drop of a hat. You know? I think it's I think it's slightly different. I think it's that they're not spending their own money. It's somebody else's money. Oh no, right, right. But I mean, but it just shows that like the whole thing's a sham. People are always careless with other people's money. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Right? Like yeah. there's that there's that chart where there's like four squares of like how financially responsible it you know what I mean? Like there's one that's like you're spending your own money for something for you. Right, but then and then you're spending your own money for something for someone else. Then you're spending someone else's money for something for you, and then someone else's money for someone else, and that's like what the government does. And yes, but right, but then at the same time, that's still them saying they don't value Steam or Steam. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, at, like at the end, because it's somebody else's they money, they don't value they're not it really in the same it. way that they would value Bitcoin money that's in or their own pocket that else. they could spend. Right? Yeah, and understand, I'm not saying that the U.S. dollar is some kind of legitimate currency or whatever, mm -hmm. or that it's a good currency or something. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't donate to me before you know, Steam existed, and now but you yet will. your that, content can make $5,000, $2,000 on Steam it when other any, people repost it, yeah, right? It makes no sense. It shows, in my personal opinion, not Stephanie's, in my personal opinion, it shows the whole thing to be a goddamn sham. So and anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, they kind of have to do it that way, right? Like, if everybody had, like, money in their account and they could just tip it to people, then it's no different than change tip. You know what I mean? 
like the way Steam it works is like you upvote, which costs you nothing, and right. then popular posts that get a lot of upvotes result in them getting money from the blockchain. But it's never like you're taking money out of your own wallet so that you have less money and giving it to someone else. Yeah, but then if there's all these people that apparently love this kind of content, especially like anarchist or libertarian content or whatever, then you, like you mentioned, use change tip or pro tip or whatever. I mean, there, like there's tons of these systems that exist to make it very, By the very way, simple. when's the last time you got a change tip? I can't oh, remember. Forever. And I have a change time. tip address. Yeah, me too. For Sovereign Tech. I mean, like... It, I got a lot of them for a while and then they stopped. That's on, another on, thing that I was like, eh, I don't know. On every blog post I do, at the bottom, I put a QR code for my Bitcoin address. Oh, no. I can't make it in. Nobody, Steam, it's not that easy. You know, like nothing <laughs> is that easy. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just, it, it, it's insulting. The whole, that whole system's insulting mm. in my personal opinion. Yeah. So anyway, please, please continue with reading the. Uh, I know. It's, it's weird and frustrating. I agree. It's, I see it and I scratch my head. Yeah. Right. Anyway, um, somebody got something on Amazon at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. UXL 100 PCS data wire phone butt splice three ports UR connectors. Butt splice? Yeah. What's a butt splice? I don't know. What the hell is this thing? I got it. Was like a, it's like a hundred pack of these connectors. Come over here and look at this, Brian. It says oh. it's to connect two telephone wires. Yeah, I know what these are. Okay, what is it? Explain it's it like to crimping. me. It's like a crimp. But what's what's a crimp? What do, what do you mean? Like Explain a crimp, it. where where it's it's a it's a little little device that you mm-hmm. can take two wires and you can put it together. And like you if can, a wire is broken, yeah, you like splice you it back to, together. Right. Like Why it, would they need a hundred pack of them? Well, because this is they're, like a hacker they're cheap. Thing? You wouldn't buy five of. I mean, you wouldn't buy one yeah, I because it only it be a penny. Twelve bucks for a hundred. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That's all. Okay. <laughs> and but then that's they, great. they so they bought two of these butt connectors. They got UR connectors and UY connectors, and one's orange and one's red. Go nice. figure. All right, got some smart people in our audience. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm curious what's going on with these. <laughs> so learn something new every time we do this. Splicing butts. The Sex and Science Hour shopping channel. Yeah, splicing butts. Um. So I have it on good authority. Next, we're going into the food section and the vitamin section. And I have it on good authority from one of my listeners that they are doing a candida cleanse. They're going to try to rid nah. their body of the, the dreaded yeast that wrecks havoc with our health and causes so many problems and yeast infections and thrush and all these food allergies and leaky gut and everything. So, you know, there's this idea that some people have an infestation of yeast and the, the yeast are out of balance with the rest of the bacteria and flora in your body. And the yeast are taking over and they're, cre- you know, creating all this toxicity mm. that's causing health problems. So in order to starve them out, like one of the only ways to get rid of them, you can't just like take an antifungal and bomb them because and nuke them because they get resistant to it. And there's resistant strains and they might not go away. Right. Um even if you switch up taking different antifungals, I guess they can still sort of like hide out and get resistant to it. So they're very tricky to eradicate, you know. And so the only way to really get rid of them is to do this like no sugar diet and to kind of starve them out and rebalance your gut flora like that and take lots of probiotic bacteria to, because the bacteria actually make like hydrogen peroxide and they kind of keep the candida in check. That's what happens in the female vagina. That's why when you take antibiotics, sometimes it wipes out all the bacteria, but not the yeast. And there's no more bacteria to keep the yeast in check. So you get a yeast infection. So anyway, um, this person is trying to starve out their yeast. And they were telling me about it. They sent me this website. 
it was fascinating to read about as a biochemist, you know, okay. which I am. It was it was very interesting. And as someone who's interested in, you know, kind of like natural health and, and stuff like that, I thought that was it was very interesting. It seems very challenging to do, you know, to, to do this diet. It's very strict. It's yeah. like you can't eat almost anything. And you're <sighs> and you're trying to starve out these yeast without killing yourself. But you got to do it sometimes if your body's like if you're really having trouble with them and they're really out of balance. So this person bought all these different aids to help them in this Canada um, diet. So one of the things I think and I think this is the can- part of the Canada diet, but I'm not sure. Um, so one of the things is raw organic hemp seeds. They got a pound of those. They got a two pound bag of chia seeds. Um, they got molybdenum supplements. Um, molybdenum is like a is like a mineral. Okay. Um, they got cranberry capsules, which cranberry has some kind of sugar in it that goes into your, especially in your bladder, you, you like pee it out and it prevents like bad pathogens, bacteria Hmm. from attaching to your urinary tract and causing UTIs. Nice. So cranberry is cool in that way. Um, they got pantothenic acid, which is vitamin B5. Um, and then they got nettle leaf cut and sifted. It's maybe they're making like a nettle leaf tea. They also got a veggie a veggie spiralizer, which these things are cool. It's like it's like a it's like a cone shaped thing with little um little blades in it. So what you do is you put like a cucumber or a zucchini or like really any vegetable that's long and thin in it, and then you spin it around and it makes these little curls that are like noodles, but they're made of a vegetable. So you can mm-hmm. have like pasta shaped kind of things, but it's zucchini, so it's not gonna like break the bank in terms of your carbs. So yeah. I have one of them. It's pretty cool. It can be hard to cook the the zucchini curls sometimes. And then it's like, I really like the seeds in the middle, but like, what do you do with the seeds? You got to cook them in some other way. So you got to like kind of throw them in or so yeah, there's a few challenges with it. I could probably read a cookbook if I wasn't so lazy and figure out what to do with all the seeds and <laughs> and that kind of thing. But um I haven't. So any, if you have any spiralizer recipes that you want to share with me or tips about how to make sure they're cooked really nice, let me know. Show at sexandsciencehour.com. But this person got a spiralizer too. So enjoy it. I hope it, I hope it uh, does very well for you. Um, we also had a, they also had like a glass mason jar. This is the kind of jar that you usually brew kombucha in. Now, I don't know if this was the same person who bought this, but I have actually been homebrewing kombucha. And it has been a fun experiment. I got obsessed with kombucha a little while ago because I was looking for some kind of non-dairy fermented food. Mm-hmm. And I like kimchi. I don't really like sour sauerkraut. Those are some of the common ones. Kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, or whatever. I don't do dairy, so no kefir, no yogurt. Um, I like kimchi, but that's only one thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like pickles, but it's hard to find like real pickles that aren't vinegar pickles. Um, yeah. You know, like the the... German pickles as opposed to the Jewish pickles. Yeah. Jews don't do probiotics, apparently. Because hmm. they have these vinegar pickles, because they don't want to be like the German pickles. The German pickles are fermented, but they're hard to find. So anyway, I started drinking kombucha because it's this, you know, raw probiotic food that has these beneficial cultures in it that are supposed to be good for you. I started really liking kombucha, but the thing is, it's very expensive. It's like four bucks for a little glass bottle of it, eight ounces or 16 ounces. So I'm like, fuck this shit. I have to make my own. Yeah. Like like everybody who starts liking kombucha eventually does that. And I was no exception. <laughs> so I got a SCOBY from my friend. 
Scoby is like the culture. It's like the symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. That's a Scoby. That's how you start the process with one of these things. Yeah, it's like a it's like a mother culture, and it's like a big mass of bacteria and yeast enclosed in kind of a mushroomy container. Mm-hmm. And it really feels like a mushroom. I was really surprised. I thought it would be like a fragile jellyfish. No, it's like a tough mushroomy kind of thing, rubbery thing. So I put it in the tea with sugar. It's fermented tea. Put tea, add sugar, add scoby, add some vinegar, starter tea, and uh, let it ferment for a couple of weeks. Question mark profit. Yep, question mark profit, exactly. <laughs> so I let it go for a couple of weeks. I thought I went, made it go way too long, but it was fine. Um, and then I added, then I like split it into smaller batches and I added like ginger and jasmine and blueberries and blackberries. It was fucking great. It was really good. And I, you know, I learned it wasn't perfect the first time, but I drank it. I didn't get sick. And I think it was great. It was a fun experiment, applied microbiology. So I'm going to keep making kombucha. I already started on another batch. The only problem is I have to wait a couple weeks and I don't know if my first batch is going to last me a couple weeks for the second batch to start to ferment enough. So I might need to get some different supplies. Like I was thinking a five gallon jar or something like that, but I haven't been able to find the right one that has like a spigot at the bottom. So you can draw it off the bottom and just continuously brew it. So kombucha problem. I know it's white people problems, like mm-hmm. th- first world problems, not white people, but hippie first world problems. Uh, not having the right container for my kombucha. Oh, what a tough life it is. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's um, somebody bought like a big mason jar that's usually used for brewing kombucha. Hmm. Now, another thing somebody got, these look interesting. This is like M&M's, but they have sunflower seeds in the middle. It's sunflower seed candy coated chocolate. Yeah. I don't know if this is uh, Canada diet compatible, but it was in the food thing. So maybe it's not the same person who bought these things. Yeah. But they look really good. They look like sunflower M&Ms. So um, that was pretty cool. We also have um, cold brewing coffee has been the rage lately. You see all this cold brewing stuff in all the stores. Brian has been noticing it and commenting on it. I've been noticing it. Somebody bought cold brew coffee bags uh, with a coffee filter kit, and then they bought a a coffee grinder to go with it. Hmm. Um, In the office products department, oh, no, I think we already read that. This is like the labels for the CDs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. We had a pair of needle nose pliers in the sports and outdoors. Handy thing to have. And we had some men's tactical pants. Oh, well, those can be nice. Oh, yeah, definitely. They don't necessarily have to be like tactical. So they're going to put their tactical. Right. I mean, it could be tactical. Like I'm going to fix. I'm going to mission to fix my car. Yeah. You know, I like pockets. Right, and you can put their no- needle nose pliers in their pockets in their Absolutely. tactical plants. Uh, we also had somebody bought a right angle clamp, so maybe they're doing a woodworking project or something. Who knows? It's very, you never know what you might have to clamp, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they had uh, connector pressing telecom pliers. So maybe that's what those butt connectors go yep. with. I don't know. It's all connected, man. Somebody's doing some, There's uh, a couple different, some work on the line. Yeah, some work on the line. There's a couple different... Maybe it's like the NSA tapping people's phones. Because I could see how this could be used to like insert... They're using our you link. You know, like stuff in landlines. Yeah, I know. Why would they use our link? <laughs> I don't know. You'd be surprised at some of the people who listen. That's true. To Sex and Science Hour. I had somebody email me once that they were working with a senator. Oh, God. And they listened to my show, and I was just like... <laughs> 
Wow. How well, much are you listening to my show? Yeah, right. Maybe they should listen to a few, a few more. Keep listening. But good for them. Or I'm well, no, whatever. <laughs> and then the last, last but not least, this is not the most sexy thing. But uh, it might go with all these tools for like splicing phone lines and pliers and shit like that. Um, we had half inch 520 Teflon thread steel tape. Mm-hmm. So this is like electrical tape, I guess. Or or pipe thread. Yeah, it's pipe thread. It's like yeah. ceiling tape for pipes or something yep. that you put together. So that's our Amazon stuff for this week. It's stuff.sexandsciencehour.com if you want to be part of our after show. And, uh, of course, we always uh, appreciate it when if you don't want to buy anything through Amazon or you can't because your country's link is not listed. I'm sorry. We're working on that. Um, we had a, a personal setback um, that prevented me from doing much and now i'm catching up so i will get to making the german amazon link yeah um the uh canadian i think we we have a canadian amazon link we need to reinstate the uk amazon link because that got we talked about that what happened to that amazon (laughs) stupid amazon right so we need to do canada uk maybe i'll do australia and japan I know Germany because we have German listeners. Anywhere else, if you didn't hear your... Oh, Mexico is another one, if they have an affiliate yeah. program there. Because I know Amazon Mexico is new. Is there Amazon Japan now? I thought there was. Oh! <laughs> Shinrin Yoku! <laughs> oh. If you're not... Stop it! That's a, we Soy always, sauce! Like, oh my god! Amazon. Oh my god! That is so bad! Why do we always get racist on our after show? This is terrible. Ah, uh, Yoshida-san. I... Who's that? That's a long story. <sighs> Another inside joke. Okay, I think we should just quit now. I will I will make those Amazon links. Let me know if you didn't hear me say your country if you want me to Gojira. make a link. Stop it. <laughs> and I'll make one and I'll add it to the list. Tokyo. <laughs> so okay, let's uh, maybe we should. Oh man! Ah, see, I say you're so bad, and then I can't resist joining. In. All right, I think thank that you very much. We're done here. Arigato. Arigato. Domo arigato. This has been Sex and Science Hour. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Sexandsciencehour.com. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Thank you for tuning in. Sayonara. Sayonara. Sayonara.